money, 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 money. Yeah, I kind of like the sound of it. The Paycheck Protection Program was supposed to be a lifeline to small businesses during some of the darkest months of the pandemic. $800 billion distributed from April 2020 to May 2021. And as we now know, some $80 billion of those taxpayer dollars ended up in the wrong hands or misspent. Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz chairs the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, and he joins us now. Welcome. Great to be here, Aisha. It's been almost a year since uh, the PPP loan program ended. How many investigations has your office conducted into possible fraud? Um, We actually have now had over 1,200 indictments in total in our investigative work, Um, about 900 arrests, and uh, almost 500 convictions. Um, PPP is obviously a very important part of that work. What we've seen is in the first few weeks of the program, when nearly half of the $800 billion went out the door, the SBA, the Small Business Administration, was relying on self-certifications. In other words, if you were going to apply for a PPP loan, you self-certified that the information you were submitting was correct. That is not how programs should operate. There should be some verification of identity, some verification of legitimacy. Um, And what we've seen is that because that didn't occur, there was a substantial amount of fraud, particularly in those first few weeks when, as I said, almost $400 billion went out through the PPP program based solely on self-certification. Part of the issue at that point was in a pandemic, there was a desire to get money out fast to people who needed it. And a question of, is it more important to get the money out fast or to get it out securely? Do you feel like the right decision was made um, to just get the money out fast? It's a great question and it's a key question. I also think it's a question that assumes it's one or the other. Simple steps could have been taken that wouldn't have delayed delivery of the loans, perhaps not even for a day, but maybe just for days. I'll give you an example. 1,300 individuals use the same address in San Francisco, California to apply for a PPP loan. It's a single business address. Now, any listener out there knows that all you have to do is have a database that can match what the address is being used and see if it's being used in multiple loans. That is not that sophisticated. That does not take that much time. And yet 1,300 applications came in that way. In that first few weeks, 57,000 loans worth $3.6 billion went to individuals who are actually on the Treasury Department's do not pay list. SBA never checked it. How long would that have delayed the sending of the checks? Probably not even 24 hours. Even though a lot of money went out the door, there were still a lot of businesses that did not get money, especially in those first rounds of the PPP. Um, Did this fraud keep some people who were legitimate from getting their money? What we found is in just the management of the program, um, underserved communities were not focused on in the way they should have. As we know, underserved communities and rural communities didn't have wide access and still don't have wide access in many instances to broadband. 
there was a issue with identity theft that has, I think, not received the kind of attention and focus it needs. And it is one of the issues, by the way, we at the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee and the IG community, the Inspector General community, are very focused on. Anytime you give a large amount of money out from the government, there will be some fraud, right? There will be some waste. But this is a massive amount. So who messed up? Like, who's to blame for this? Agencies decided at the outset in those first few months and weeks, they were simply going to send the money out on the self-certification and chase the money back later. Those were choices made. Do you agree with, you know, this number, $80 billion, or do you think it could be higher? I'm not going to rule it out as a possibility. I'm also not going to rule out the possibility it's higher than that. We have a lot of work to do, um, and it is going to take us months and years to sort through this. But one of the things that we are doing as an oversight community for inspectors general, we have created an analytics platform to find these instances of double dipping, of fraud, so that we can go after folks, even a year after the program's ended, people will get knocks on their doors and they will be arrested if we can prove that. Um, and we will look to seize the money and get the money back for the taxpayers. That's Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz. Thank you so much. Thank you, Aisha. Great to be here. Hundreds of thousands of people make money by working for platforms like Lyft or Uber. But driving strangers, it can be dangerous. NPR's Bobby Allen looks into who should be responsible when drivers are killed on the job. Alyssa Lewis of Dallas, Texas, was catching up with her older sister, Bella. It was the summer, back in August, and they were talking about meeting up. I was like, hey, it's the weekend. Can you do my hair? She was like, well, I'm going to do Lyft today. Depending on how I feel after that, then I'll let you know. But soon after, she got a call from a friend saying something bad had happened. He's like, hey, I need you to get here over here on on his address or whatever. You need to come right now. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? He's like, don't worry about it. Just get here. I need you to get here. When she arrived, she saw police vehicles had surrounded her sister's body. A random passenger had shot and killed Bella. She was 26. She was just a loving kind so kind of lined up the room with a smile, you know, that type of person. Didn't realize how much she kind of like held our family together until losing her. Bella Lewis was one of more than 50 gig workers killed on the job since 2017, according to a new report from the advocacy group Gig Workers Rising. And while it's hard to say what companies like Lyft, Uber and DoorDash could have done to prevent the deaths, the worker advocates say there was a lack of support in the aftermath of the killings. Unlike regular employees, gig workers don't receive survivor benefits. Catherine Fisk, who teaches labor law at Berkeley, says here's something else that makes gig workers different. All independent contractors are in a vulnerable spot when they get hurt. But many of them would have a civil claim that they could assert in court. In plain English, companies like Lyft make drivers sign what's known as forced arbitration agreements, meaning they aren't allowed to sue. For the Lewis family, that meant they were on the hook for expensive funeral and burial bills. They weren't going to pay for anything. The driver's window somehow was shot out. They weren't repairing that. In a statement, Lyft says it tries to make sure all of its drivers are safe at all times, and they have access to an in-app tool that they can use if they feel at risk. Lyft did not respond to questions about why it did not help the Lewis family cover their funeral expenses. Instead, a Lyft spokesperson says the company tried to contact the Lewis family after the death, but was not able to. 
Alyssa Lewis says she never heard from them. I think like the least they could have did was came out of pocket for funeral expenses, kind of keep that burden off of the family because my family isn't necessarily a family that comes from money. My sister out here, you know, doing live to get that extra money. It's hard to know exactly how dangerous being a gig worker is compared to other industries. For instance, federal statistics show that there are about 20 taxi driver deaths in 2020, but that number includes traffic accidents. The gig worker report only focuses on drivers killed by passengers. In addition to more help, the report asks gig worker companies to publicly disclose how many drivers are getting killed every year. Berkeley Law Professor Fisk agrees. Information is good because it enables everybody to operate more safely. Meanwhile in Texas, Alyssa Lewis says she's in between jobs and considering doing gig work. But then her mom intervened and said, no way. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about going to do DoorDash today, this and that. She's like, no, I don't really feel comfortable with you doing that. I don't want you doing that. I'd rather give you money out of my pocket before you do that. Lewis says she's promised her mom she wouldn't do it. Bobby Allen, NPR News, San Francisco. The day after two white policemen shot Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge, Cantonius Gill went to work and got into a discussion with one of his white female co-workers, whose brother happens to be an officer. The woman defended the police in the Sterling shooting. Gill, who is black, couldn't let that stand. I didn't walk away because I want her to know that you're not going to say something that I disagree with or something that's erroneous, and I just leave you with your thoughts. Since you left me with your thoughts, I'll leave you with mine. There are things that have traditionally been taboo to talk about at work. Politics, religion, money. But we're living in an age of more transparency. Many of us share our lives and opinions on social media for everyone, including colleagues and bosses, to see. And organizations are being told to foster more inclusive cultures by letting people bring their whole, authentic selves to work. What happens when teammates adamantly disagree on big social, political, and economic issues, though? Or there's a huge divide between workers and management, or an individual boss and their employee? Our guests today have studied the causes of polarization and how to manage it in the workplace, They've also worked with dozens of companies to train their people on how to more productively handle conflict. Julia Minson is an associate professor at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, and Francesca Gino is a professor at Harvard Business School. Together, they wrote the HBR article, Managing a Polarized Workforce, How to Foster Debate and Promote Trust. Julia, Francesca, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure. We get the sense that people are more divided than ever on certain issues, not just in the U.S., but around the world. You know, I think about masking, vaccines, racism, gender fluidity, immigration, nationalism, police brutality, education, economic inequality. It's such a long list. So is that an accurate impression? Are we at peak polarization? Yeah, uh, Allison, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, there's more and more research coming out confirming sort of that general impression. You know, we are not only just sort of more divided in terms of our opinions, but we're also more divided in terms of how we feel towards people on the other side. So there is sort of more dislike, more visceral dislike towards people who disagree with us than has ever been documented before. And do you see these divisions spilling over into the workplace, you know, where you have people on both sides of a really heated divide and it's causing problems? Yes, absolutely. I mean, partly due to the fact that the 
home and the workplace has gotten more and more blended. You know, I've heard people say it's not working from home, it's living at work. We are so intimately intertwined uh, in terms of our work lives and our home lives and our political lives that it is very easy for our strong feelings about world issues to spill into our professional conversations. I also hear a lot of people commenting on the fact that since a lot of our interactions happen virtually these days, that conflicts and disagreements are in a sense more costly. There isn't that opportunity of going by your office or knocking on your door and making sure that what I said didn't hurt your feelings or your ego in a certain way. So there are fewer moments for that personal interactions that might help uh, not damage relationships in the way that happens virtually. And I also find that a lot of people decide not to have the conversation in the first place through our virtual channels. And so I wonder whether a lot of disagreements are disagreements that we don't embrace because we fear that the conflicts might be a difficult one to handle virtually. And what role does social media play in all this? Uh, yes, well, social media has gotten a tremendous amount of blame uh, in the conversations about this, and probably, you know, rightly so. Uh, social media enables people to surround themselves with information that they agree with and with people who support their beliefs. So, you know, to the extent that I'm constantly reading things and interacting with people who support my views. I'm going to come to believe that I'm sort of even more right than I initially thought when I then encounter people at work or in other aspects of my life who happen to disagree. By contrast, they sound even more unreasonable and more uninformed because I've been reading and listening to all these things that support my beliefs. And do you find that the divisions are worse in certain geographies or industries or types of companies? I think that they're pretty consistent. I think that I find disagreements uh, when I talk to employees and leaders in organizations in the United States, but the same is true across the globe. And part of the reasons for that is that a lot of companies have a global imprint. And so you now have colleagues in different locations and given where they grew up or what their country and culture is all about, Diversity brings in more opportunity for disagreement. Right. Although I would add to that that I think depending on how many opportunities people have to interact with folks who have different viewpoints, they sort of gain a skill set for civil disagreement. Right. So, for example, I recently spoke to a colleague who grew up in a small town in Maine, and she said, look. You know, we all live across the street from people who have different signs on their lawn when election time comes and we have to go to the grocery store together and we have to go to school together. And so we figure out how to get along and how to be reasonable and civil towards each other. Whereas I think people who live in places that are much more politically homogeneous don't cultivate that skill set. Part of what research suggests is that we get better at engaging with opinions and perspectives and people who are different if we surround ourselves with them. So there is, in fact, in Maine, a great 
uh, program for the summer where I think there are high school students from Palestine and Israel coming together during camp. And some researchers of Booth have shown that by being together, by engaging in dialogue, by engaging in activities with one another, all of a sudden the way they look at each other or the way they have positive attitudes towards one another changes. And so I think that that exposure to what's different is really an important aspect of engaging with difference. And so why is it important to address these things at work rather than in neighborhoods or at camps? You know, why not just encourage people to not discuss these hot button issues and focus squarely on the jobs to be done? Well, I would say there are two reasons, right? So first of all, a lot of the issues we talk about as being the most polarizing we think of as political issues But they're not just political. They're issues about how we organize our lives and sort of the policies that we interact through, right? So when we think about the Black Lives Matter movement or the Me Too movement, those have direct implications for the workplace. You know, the same goes for the arguments about masking. The same goes for arguments about uh, vaccine mandates, right? All of these issues have implications for workplace behavior and organizations need to make decisions around how these issues will be addressed. But I think another reason is when you take issues that are to some extent purely political, right? So who do you support in the presidential campaign, for example? We actually have research showing that people who share political views are much more likely to be connected in professional networks. Liberals affiliate with liberals and conservatives affiliate with conservatives. And somehow, even if their workplace has nothing to do with politics, they still form relationships, sort of informal mentorship and friendship relationships with people who share their political views. And so you end up in this situation where your professional network is suddenly made up of people who think like you and excludes the people who think differently, which means they're now getting cut off from opportunities and resources and information and, you know, professional advancement. I would also add that in light of the greater levels of diversity that we see in a lot of organizations, we need to think about inclusion as an important aspect of what as managers or as leaders we get right. And I've conducted some recent research that shows that one way for people to feel that they belong and that they're included is that they understand and perceive that they're accepted for what they bring to the table. And that means their view, their perspectives, not only for issues that are related to work, but more generally as individual human beings. And so if we avoid conversations on issues like politics or whatever issues that is going on in society, I fear that we're going to end up with organizations where people feel excluded. Hmm. College don't mean shit. Y'all niggas. And you're going to be niggas forever. Just like us, niggas. 
New at 6.30, a Phoenix City worker suing for employment discrimination, saying she won't settle the case until the city strengthens its policy against discrimination and harassment. ABC 15 investigator Melissa Blasius has the letter her attorney just sent over to city leaders. Phoenix's housing department rolls out a welcome mat to people in need, but it was an unwelcome place to Rita Bursi, a Haitian refugee who became a city employee. She filed a discrimination complaint in 2019. She's been a great employee, um, but I'm, this has really hurt her. It is very degrading. Lawyer Stephen Montoya says that a co-worker called Bercy a black princess, used the N-word, said that black people were stupid and complained about sharing a bathroom. The co-worker denied the allegations, but this city investigation sustained the complaints. Even so, the alleged harasser got performance reviews saying she embraces diversity and she remained at the housing department. The city's uh, heavy on rhetoric, not very heavy on action. Montoya says using the N-word or another discriminatory slur, especially at a co-worker, would get you fired from most businesses here in the Valley. So why should the city of Phoenix be any different? He sent this letter to city leaders Monday saying Bercy won't settle her case until the city requires employees who use discriminatory slurs to be terminated. Because this should not happen again. And this is so basic and, and in our opinion, so common sense, uh, sensical, um, that, you know, it behooves the city to change its its policy. Current policy includes discipline for slurs up to and including termination. And a spokesman for the city manager says the city does not tolerate discrimination of any kind in our workplace. We, however, provide our employees with due process, but will not hesitate to take appropriate disciplinary action. So far, no city leader has pledged to support Bercy's request. I'm investigator Melissa Blasius, ABC 15, Arizona. Let's talk about gender. Let's talk about women. Um, women are often um, less likely to move for a better job. They're kind of tied to a particular location um, or a commute schedule because of their family. Um, so they're reluctant to do market checks, you know, to go out and to see what they actually are worth, you know, for historically gender division of labor reasons. Um, if pay was transparent, the employer would have to kind of fess up that they're probably paying their their male workers more, you know, for fear of losing those male workers where they don't have that fear with female workers. So it should close the gender gap um, probably overnight. Um, I, I've had that experience in my own workplace when I was at um, teaching at the University of Notre Dame. We uh, women professors revealed our pay, found out what the pay was of our male uh, colleagues, you know, who had exactly the same job, the same number of articles, the same footnote and references and citations. And um, our pay went up overnight by tens of thousands of dollars. You know, so I suspect that the gender pay gap will be closed and the, the effect will be immediate. Um, with um, non-white male workers, um, I suspect that it will take a little bit longer. A new law is scheduled to take effect in New York City next month. 
to require salary transparency in job listings as a way of achieving pay equity for workers who have faced or could face discrimination. It will require all job advertisements or listings with companies that have four or more employees to include a, quote, good faith salary range or face fines from the New York City Human Rights Commission for discrimination, fines that could go up to $250,000. After being passed by the council last year, this is slated to go into effect on May 15th. That is, unless a new effort to postpone and amend the law is successful, this newly proposed amendment would delay its implementation until November and carve out more exceptions to the requirements, exceptions being sought by the employer community. So would the proposed changes, which we'll go over, take the teeth out of the law, or would they prevent some unintended and unwanted and unneeded consequences, like city residents not being able to apply for remote work from elsewhere? We're joined now by guests on both sides of that question. This is going to be a dialogue or a debate, if you prefer, on this issue. Uh, so we have employment and labor attorney Miriam Clark, the legislative chair of the National Employment Lawyers Association, who advocated for and supports the law as it was passed. Uh, that's the National Employers Employment Lawyers Association, uh, New York branch. And Catherine Wild, president and CEO for the Partnership for New York City, which speaks for many of the city's leading employers, the partnership, along with the heads of the Chambers of Commerce for each of the five boroughs, signed a letter calling on the city council to amend the law. So welcome to the show, Miriam Clark, and welcome back, Catherine Wilde. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Brian. Miriam Clark, remind us basically what's in the law and why you think it's important. Sure. Uh, so the law is simple. It requires employers to state the minimum and maximum salary compensation for positions. And that range is based on what the employer believes in good faith at the time of the posting it would pay for the job. So question, why is the law important? So as background, the wage gap in New York City between white men, women, and especially women of color is growing and growing over time. Uh, so, for example, in New York City, the median white male salary is 75000 Latina, 28000 uh, And interestingly enough, as I said, the gender wage gap is actually getting worse over the past 10 years in New York City. Um, and it's also worse in New York City than it is in New York State and in the country as a whole. And this is true even though black women are attaining bachelor's and graduate degrees at a higher rate than everyone else. So the very first step in achieving pay equity is pay transparency. Um, and that's why we think this law is so important. Um, and in terms of the rollback of the law, uh, the New York City human rights law um, as I think your listeners know, has been a landmark law in many ways. We were the first big city to ban, for example, sexual orientation discrimination. We were the first big city to eliminate the severe or pervasive standard. Just recently, we expanded the law to ban gender-based harassment and to cover domestic workers for all employers. This is the first rollback of the New York City human rights law that I can remember in more than 50 years. And it's hard to understand why the city council would be doing that at a time 
when the pay gap is just getting worse. And, and we'll bring Catherine Wild in here in just a second. But just on what you think this salary transparency in job listings would accomplish, I mean, when you state that stark disparity between what white men make on average and what Latinas make on average, a lot of that, uh, though we could also say that's from structural racism, a lot of that is because they're in different kinds of jobs. It's not like for the same position a white man is making $75,000 and a Latina is making twenty eight. So what does posting the salary for particular jobs accomplish in terms of closing a pay equity gap? So that's a great question, and there's a bunch of answers. The first is that studies show that places, for example, such as Denmark, that have mandated salary transparency have seen a closing in the wage gap. So there is a demonstrated link there. I can also, for example, um, talk about the link between occupational segregation and wage discrimination in the following way. Let's take a, a law firm, a law firm of 12 people um, that would be covered under the old law but not under this bill. Um, huge occupational segregation in law. Partners tend to be white, men, um, associates not so much, uh, clerical staff even less. So it's the white men who are making the decisions about which associates, which paralegals, and which assistants to hire. And they are going to bring, like it or not, in many cases, their own unconscious implicit bias to that decision making. The more that you have wage transparency, the harder it is for that implicit or unconscious or even conscious bias to flourish. All right. So, Catherine Wilde, before we get into the three particular um, revisions to the law that you and the employer community are seeking, do you support the idea of this generally? Do you think pay transparency is a good and worthy thing in general to be mandated uh, when job openings are posted? Patient transparency certainly is, uh, is going to make the workplace fairer, and so we, we do not oppose compensation transparency. We don't think that this particular law does much about pay parity because there's no reporting mechanism to really advance that. And there are other ways to, uh, to do that. Unfortunately, what we're objecting to here with this law is not the substance, it is the process. There was an, uh, this was, um, the amendment is just a, an attempt to correct for a process. In the last sessions of the city council, the last couple of weeks of a council where the majority was term limited out and is no longer in the council, there were 300 bills that were heard and passed in the last two weeks of, that, of the last session. And employers were not at the table for something that very much affects the workplace. That is our concern, is that there was not consideration given to some of the clarification and the time that's needed for employers to learn about the bill. There are 240,000 businesses in New York City and plus another 35,000 nonprofit organizations that are affected by this bill. So it's both for-profit and nonprofit employers. They had no chance to weigh in. And right now, as we come out of the COVID, hopefully, we're facing an unprecedented labor shortage and skills gap in New York City because of this rapid transition 
from our service economy to a digital economy and the kind of skills it requires for workers. There's also been what's called the great resignation where people who got burned out during the COVID are not applying. And there is a real job shortage, very tight labor market. So there needs to be time for businesses to adjust and for employers and of both the nonprofit and the business sector to revisit their salary ranges. I'll give you one example, the healthcare industry. They do not have the skilled people that they need to fulfill the jobs that have uh, expanded during the health industry and are continuing to grow. They're offering some incentives to bring people in from other states that have licenses. They need some flexibility as they do that. So there are, this is a particularly difficult moment in time. The other point I'd raise is that we've had very restrictive immigration policy, reduction in the quotas on H-1B visas and other restrictions, and plus the COVID elimination of immigration over the last two years. So we have not had the inflow of global talent that we previously had. So this moment in time is just very tough for employers. And what we're asking is enough time in pushing back this requirement and some latitude so that the smallest businesses that have been hit hardest in the COVID do not have to deal with this new implication. They are struggling to get workers uh, to fill small business jobs and to upgrade their skills for the digital economy. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, April 15, 2022. So I have been told this is our weekly summit on neutralizing workplace racism. This is not for spectators. There are many, 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 many TV shows and streaming projects and all the rest of it where you can spectate and just watch until your eyeballs fall out this year is not one of those projects if you are a non-white person anywhere in the known universe and you have figured out some things even if it's just one thing in a workplace setting self-employed or if you work for someone else you figured out at least one thing this seems to work well to minimize problems neutralize race soldiers effort mistreat me in the workplace try to mess you over you put in time requests for a day off or vacation time or whatever it is we got graduation and things like that coming up you put your request in like two months ago they don't mess you over you put in for a week off take two tell your son we said congratulations get out there and you know have a blast do your best the world is yours you get every one of your yearly or if it's quarterly maybe bonuses raises every one of your performance evaluation uh, performance evaluations are always sparkling every time highest mark you can possibly get rave review everybody just loves working with you you are so confident so professional 
so much about safety in the workplace. You are a joy and an asset for this company forever. That's your work experience. Just how did you do that? Let's see if we can mimic, you know, to the best degree that we can. Give us some details. Even like I said, if it's just one thing. The number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Certainly, if you are having any sort of problem in the workplace and would like some assistance, some logic, counter-racist suggestions on the best way to think, process your situation. We will do our best. The number again, 720-716-7300. Decode 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. The email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com drop us an email and we can read your commentary on the air if you have either suggestions or if you have some sort of problem uh, let us know and we can share again do our best if you have some sort of situation and you would like constructive feedback suggestions really quick before we get to the folks who dialed in and we had a lot of folks who wrote in today it will be a challenge to see if we can get through all of the emails but many many thanks for all the folks who wrote in uh let's see the reports that we heard at the beginning wow uh number one with the paycheck protection program they said approximately 80 billion dollars u.s in fraud 1200 indictments and they said this was back in the darkest days of the pandemic always niggardly times yes 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 uh with that fraud i saw i thought of uh, so many things number one remember senators richard burr and kelly loffler both classified as white they had all those allegations that they had lied and obfuscated the seriousness of COVID-19 and this pandemic that this was going to be long-term disastrous change our way of life for you know foreseeable future unknown amount of time while they were coming out and telling us hey calm down it's going to be fine don't be hoarding toilet paper or anything like that and and allegations that they were dumping stocks and all the rest of it may have been investing in toilet paper and hand sanitizer themselves and zoom I guess that was one and then the Los Angeles Lakers exactly with the paycheck protection program remember how they got like millions of dollars were they struggling during the dark days of the pandemic they couldn't pay old Bron James hey Bron can you know look out for we we're hurting man you know what we got to do we got to sell some Nick Young jerseys or something we can we can put something on your check for this week we just we just ain't got it you know it's been tough Rona shut us down really that was the Lakers Jeannie Buss they did report that they gave the money back, allegedly. But how did they get it to begin with? Who even looked at that like, yeah, I think the Lakers are hurting. Let's go ahead and give them a few million. Live and die in L.A. So they got 80 billion in fraud. I said this when they were talking about reparations. Same thing, really. 
uh, where I said, man, black people might struggle to get a birth certificate. Race soldiers, they are not going to struggle to get some paper and scratch down anything that they need to reinforce racism, white supremacy, or to accomplish whatever task. Like, that's easy for race soldiers. They know how to, you know, what they call it, be, be a paper terrorist. Isn't that the charge they were labeling against some non white people? Whew. The master paper terrorists are classified as white. Wow. They said 1,300 applications to the same address. That is paper terrorism. Now, they said they had 1,200 indictments. I suspect that that's probably like the tacky metaphor that a drop in the bucket. Because I know here in Washington State specifically, they said they had massive fraud. Now, I'm sure some of it was they said it was staffing. No, you're saying that some of this, it would have been easy to check. Like, really, you got 1,300 people at this address? Really? Hmm. That would have been easy one to check. But they did they say that some of this was we didn't have staffing to adequately check investigate to see you know who was applying and all the rest of it did we have any double dipping so-called people applying multiple times same person uh, to get benefits of what have you uh, I'm, I'm sure that could be true to some degree but I mean man they were saying if I recall I have to go back and get some of the reports uh, that they weren't even didn't even seem like they were pursuing this very aggressively like to go out and track these folks down and get the money back or to punish them criminally for fraud stealing from taxpayers right yeah Got bigger fish to fry, other things happening, you know, in the known universe. Rona still running around, reaping black males. Paycheck protection program. Uh, and then they had the Uber or what they call it, the gig economy. Who is responsible for safety? We talk about that all the time. Aaron Henderson talked about that last week where he was killed in a portable toilet. Uh, this time around, uh, they had Bella Lewis black female who was driving uh, for Lyft ended up being killed on the job and then they don't even chip in can you put something on the funeral this two times we heard the report uh, that was within I believe the last 45 days black male he was driving for FedEx and he I guess looked like he might have reaping tendencies and a black family remember that it was a white father and son they didn't ask any questions. They didn't investigate. They didn't see him unzip his pants. Negra guns. Pow, pow. Fire could have killed him. Bullet went through the van and everything. And they didn't just fire and like get him off the property. No, no, no. They hopped in the vehicle and chased this black brother <laughs> victim. Sorry. Well, whatever. They, they chased the black brother for a good. I don't know. Uh, miles they said might have been out of the town or county or whatever it is but the 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 killer in this was not just that all of this happened unprovoked and oh my goodness white terrorism run amok uh, and they finally go about and charge these white terrorists they released of course was that he did not get time off same thing we're not chipping in on the funeral you get killed on the job and if you survive the shooting phew, you better be in here at eight o'clock the next morning. Well, can can, can I get a, a different van? I mean, this one has still got the the bullet hole in it from where I was. I don't have time for all that, man. Are you working or not? Then get in the van. 
got to be on the same route even? <laughs> like, are you see? And he said he just he couldn't do it. Like, black male privilege. I guess I got to do something for my mental health. Put him on unpaid leave. Remember that one? Then you get this event. Bella Lewis, she ends up getting killed on the job. Yeah. Risk you take, you signed up for it. That's something that I would think about. That's why I say all the time, we have to think about our safety because you really, you have no idea. If you're picking up someone and you all are in a vehicle that's such a confined space, you have no idea who this person is. Do they have a weapon? Anything else? Are they intoxicated? Some sort of narcotics, alcohol, all of the above. Same thing goes if you're delivering to someone's residence. That's even worse, really, because, I mean, hey, if they're getting in your vehicle, it's only so much, right? You can be carrying on your person, even if you got luggage, you're at your residence. I mean, wow, you got literally the whole kitchen at your disposal. It's really dangerous. Like, it should be an extensive. Co- That's what I talked about before. Like, I would not malinger. In any of these uh, areas, I would go over policy and procedure. What are we supposed to do if we don't feel safe? I'd have my own code about what I do if I don't feel safe. And I love it to death. I think Mother's Day is coming up. I don't celebrate any holidays. And I'm not a parent, but man, uh, to Alisa Lewis's mother, I think it's Alyssa Lewis's mother, black female who said, hey, like many folks, craziness of all this and two plus years of the pandemic no end in sight see if I can go out here and work a little bit make a few nickels her mom said no way no way I'd rather make a few cuts myself and just give you some money than have you out here delivered that right there using some logic as a pen not what you better get out there and work I'm not giving you any money system of white supremacy racism Alisa Lewis's Alyssa Lewis's mother high commendations from Gus T uh, let's see oh my gosh so we go from high commendations to two thumbs down really eight thumbs down ten thumbs down as many people as I can get to pitch in to thumbs down uh, HBR cast which is like always i think they got one exception but other than that it is always 20 thumbs down with hbr cast which is even more appalling because that is harvard business review and they have the worst recommendations every time so this is their segment i can it was a 30 minute interview i could stomach about six minutes i was like rap right there only reason i played those six minutes why now they said talking about uh, diversity in the workplace and saying that in this moment we need to speak honestly about or sharing our thoughts views in the workplace uh, because so many of these things like masking and the rest of it, it impacts what's happening in the workplace I could not disagree more staunchly and the phoniness the deception in that report, they're not even talking about white supremacy racism. You can men- mention the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter or whatever else, but it was such a quick deviation to masking and income inequality, which is racism, white supremacy right there. <laughs> Pretty much everything that they deviated to, in fact, was white supremacy racism. Just we're not going to talk about it 
directly, whether it's books, immigration, all of that, salary transparency, which came up in the next one, all of that is about racism, white supremacy, even COVID-19, right? Because they said that, that was the big report they had from last week, that white people thought of that as soon as this is a nigra disease. I don't want to do any masking. Get out of here with all that. All of this goes back to white supremacy, racism, but we don't want to talk about that. I've said consistently, I've seen no benefit at all. And so much of that report was about, hey, there's a benefit to being exposed to people who are different. That is a malicious, dangerous lie. There is no component of white supremacy, racism that is the product of white people being ignorant about not exposed to negras that is i mean you want to talk about bunkum old bunkum that's right that's where uh jay strom thurman and, uh, that is old bunkum you got thomas jefferson and strom thurman and white women and white men for centuries have been raping black people and non-white people around the world what do you mean we are different. Matter of fact, slow it down. With just the tacky NFL, we got to come up with the Rooney rule and the Negro rule and all the rest of it. White NFL executives have a whole lot in common with former black NFL players who aspire to coach. I mean, you got gobs in common. Brain damage? Yep. Violence? Yup. Think Tom Brady is a good looking white man? Yup. That's how we get conditioned. What can you do? Same thing with Mark Thurman. I talked about that yesterday. Mark Furman, excuse me, Mark Furman. But I mean, they have lots in common. It's not the case that we don't have anything in common. Like watching the Super Bowl every year? Yep. Tons. And we can just go on and on and on and on and on and on. As opposed to, oh, let's do that. No, we don't roll with the niggers. Even the niggers who we have lots in common with. They talked about conservative because they brought up that tackiness. Did they, we'll see the conservatives. They hang out with the conservatives and the, the liberals. They hang out. So do white liberals. Do they hire and hang out and hook up the black liberals? Al Sharpton is a liberal, right? love Al Sharpton do white Democrats love Al Sharpton hmm hmm let's try it the other way you got black conservatives tons of them we've had some of them on this program do white conservatives love Herman Cain the late Herman Cain how about let's do another one let's do another do white conservatives love Justice Clarence Thomas cowbell there too do they love Clarence Thomas Hmm. Even bring up Obama. Do white Democrats seem like they love President Obama? Hmm. Michelle Obama. That's a better one. Do white Democrats seem like they love Michelle Obama? We got so much in common. She's a fellow Big D Democrat. I'm a fellow Big D Democrat. We both voted for the Clintons at least once, maybe. We've hung out with them, right? Don't like Donald Trump. We got quite a bit in common. I don't think that's how this works. I could be totally in error. But that sort of tackiness, again, because 
that none of that has anything to do with white supremacy racism white people practice racism against black people who grew up in their same hometown on their same block we went to kindergarten together we got lots in common I was raping your grandmother we got genetic material in common and you're still a negro Chase Strom Thurman HBR cast sucks every time every time just come out and tell me some other lies tell me you got you know snake oil we got the Rona cure you can send us $9.99 we'll cure that and racism uh, let's see next one uh, Rita Bercy uh, black female in Phoenix Arizona now that one could have doubled down because they still got Robert Sarver right white executive with the Phoenix Suns they're all excited for the playoffs I hope they lose in the first round like they didn't even resolve any of that they had the report and it even get talked about because they had so many uh, sports issues related to racism because they had the Raiders comment about the rubber lips and John Gruden they had the fire the head coach and then the Washington Redskins which that's still every day even this week they were talking about that and them lying and cheating uh, other owners I could have played that this week too but there were so many reports that I just don't think they got a lot of attention but they didn't even resolve that where they had all these allegations of toxic environment and racism and sexism same thing they were talking about with the Washington Redskins but they say uh, Rita Bercy she's out in the desert Phoenix and she's working with the housing development and I mean now hey now all of the protests and literal blood that had to be shed to get just housing which is still not the case obviously but man we're at the housing development in Arizona and Rita Bercy who is not a docile I want to put, put the what are they doing dun, 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 like uh oh could be a villain because she's not born in the US if that means anything at all to anyone listening Dun, dun, dun. maybe she ran over a black person who was born in Georgia to get that job right and she was probably mistreating all the black people that were born in South Carolina and Arizona right on the job probably and it's still like that still didn't mean anything to race soldiers because they said she was a nigra too we got nigras that's born in South Carolina we got nigras born in Haiti we got nigras born in Liberia nigras and nigras and nigras and they didn't just call her Negra. They called her, what is it, Negra, Princess, said, I don't like sharing the bathroom with her. I've been hearing that for years. We did a program right when they killed Michael Brown Jr. We talked to a white man in Michigan, and he said that they had literally thousands of white women who went, stormed off the job during the middle of World War II in protest. And I said thousands because they did not want to share a bathroom with, like, six black females I'm exaggerating say it was 10 but I mean literally it was not even a, a dozen and this is during the middle of we got to fight off Adolf Hitler and the Japs V for victory or whatever but I'm not sharing a bathroom with these nigger women and to hear the same thing in 2022 that's what I mean what does it mean to be white last one and that's beautiful segue because they spent all that time on the last segment New York City 
transparency bill. This will solve problems. Incidentally, I did play that preface that segment with the, the sound clip we heard previously where they said the transparency issue would overnight correct this issue for females, mostly white, I suspect. But hey, she didn't even no caveat overnight. It would correct this problem for females. She said for non-white males, he might take more work, but she didn't explain why that would be the case. And the host didn't ask. I thought that was really important, but they just sped over that one anyway. So then we come back to the whole salary transparency uh, issue and they speak with uh, Miriam, uh, Miriam Clark, uh, Kimberly Wild, Miriam Clark with the employment and labor is an employment and labor attorney and the legislative chair of the National Employment Lawyers Association suspected race soldier. Now, same thing. I just said they said overnight this salary transparency will correct the issue for females overnight. Non-white males. Nope. Gonna take more time. Miriam Clark comes on and talks about why this is needed. And she says we have income disparity. There is a wage gap between white men and women and especially women of color. Okay, that's all well and good. Well, even that's not all well and good because there's not really that much of a pay gap between white men and white women. Like if they just kicked all the Negroes to the side and just gave it to you white men and white women, they would have to hush a lot of this up. It only looks as bad when they include the nigger women and the rest of the non-white females. When they lump that in, then it looks really bad. But you notice what she did. She said white men, women, and especially women of color. Are there any non-white males at all? Are there any black male employees at all? Do they make what white men make? Total exclusion. I've said this is not one time. This is not two times. This is all the time when they talk about racism in the workplace, especially on mainstream outlets. It is total exclusion of black males. This time it was non-white males in total when they just said on the very same network, WNYC New York Public Radio with the same host white male hey this is not going to solve the problem transparency with salaries with non-white males like I said he didn't even ask Brian Lair white man New York Public Radio he didn't even ask well why is this not going to correct the problem for the nigger males is there greater resistance to compensating them correctly justly why would that be the case no question about any of that at all and then when this comes up again they're totally excluded it's not hey you left out non-white males we already had a guest who came on this very platform and said they're the ones it's going to be most difficult to solve the so-called wage gap black male privilege that's what we want to call that again uh, let's see and then she gets even worse when she continues she says uh, we have occupational segregation talking about law firms whatever now that even that term occupational segregation why would we be so plantational with the terms and then not even be direct about what we're talking about here so we got occupational segregation with white men partners and then she doesn't give any details or demographic breakdown at all 
about the paralegals and the rest of the staff after you get away from the partners. That's another one. Why is that? Is let's see this. Is it is it all black male privilege so that all of the paralegals at these law firms are black males? Is that what it is? That's what you all see. We got some of you all. You all have worked in law firms. That's what it is. Let's even back up a little bit. Maybe not, we don't want nigga males because they got raping tendencies. Is it non-white males? They sprinkle in, they pepper in a nigger male here and there. But is it non-white males who are just they have taken over the paralegals and what have you in the law firms? That's what it is. I seriously doubt it. I suspect it's just a bunch of white people. I'm sure you might see a few more non-white people once you get away from the partners, but it's going to be predominantly white women, white men. You can mix it up, match it any way you need to. Maybe it's more white males, maybe it's more white females, but it's still going to be mostly white people. I seriously doubt that they're going to have a whole lot of people there who look like they could be OJ Simpson. I could be totally in error. Now, uh, we oh, and then she got into the nonsense. She says, now, the reason for all of this is unconscious bias and implicit bias and all that other nonsense. And then at the end, and maybe even some deliberate bias, maybe. Are you serious? <sighs> deliberate racism, white supremacy in that entire report, including the host, Brian Lair, because I heard the report. You did. You hosted. You talked to her. You heard what she said, and you probably even listened to it multiple times as the host, Brian Lair, suspected race soldier, to totally leave that out. Like, man, you didn't even include non-white males in this. And you could ask her the same question: Why is this going to be so difficult to correct the problem for black males? That's not important, I guess. We got lots of emails and even quite a few of them came in like right as we were about to go live. So we had more than I even realized. Email number one. Uh, Good morning, Gus. Last week, I wrote. uh, So this is our caller. He talked about his care mate. Uh, She is a graduate student trying to become a teacher, need more black educators. And we talked about the incident she had with the white professor. Uh, We got an attitude with her. I forgot we got an update on this one, which I thought was important. She says, so last week I wrote in to share my care mate's experience with a suspected race soldier professor and my care mate and I appreciate the constructive feedback. So this week she returned back to the suspected racist's class and before class started, he says to her, hey, good morning. Are we still friends? My care mate's response was, can I think about that? The racist suspect says, sure, just let me know after you think about it. During a down period in the class, she approaches the suspected racist professor and asks with the email opened up on her phone. What in this email was offensive to you? A waste of your time and or challenging question. Love it. The race soldier, and this was right, they had the email exchange where he said that her email was a waste of time uh, and that she challenged him without even considering where she made the error. And he gave a suggestion like, next time when you talk to a professor, you should be willing to concede that you could have made a mistake. That way you'll get further in life. Don't be talking to me. I don't tolerate sassy niggas. Remember, he got all that, uh, got all this tone with her. And I said, hey, your job is to clear up confusion. So anyway, he says, 
Uh, so she asks her question. The race soldier responds, nothing really. I just got into a heated disagreement with my supervisor and responded to the email right away. Without an apology, the race soldier goes on to bash the female supervisor and states that he is retiring at the end of the year because of her. So she's going to try to get through the rest of the semester without any more issues with this race soldier. Bravo. I think I always encourage stay in the question lane, which she even did when he came in at the beginning. Oh, are we still friends, which is so tacky. We're not friends. See, they always do that. All this nonsense, incorrect language. We're not friends. We don't go hang out or I hope you all don't go hang out for lattes. Nothing about his uh, conversation suggests that we're not hanging out for lattes after class. We're not making plans to go support the school's sports teams or figure out our summer uh, beach outfits and coordinate when our families. We're not friends. We're not family. You are an instructor. It is your same thing I said before. It is your job to clear up confusion for me. That's your job. Answer my questions logically, efficiently, accurately. That's your job. Not to be my friend. That's what I mean. Coming incorrect from the very beginning. And I even think some of that, a part of our white validation, they know we were. Oh, I'm his friend. I get out of here, man. I didn't come in even before you cut a fool last week practicing racism with me. We weren't friends, homies, none of that. I'm just trying to get my diploma. Anyway, uh, question lane. And then with this fella and really in general, everything would be via email. No in person. So it can be. Well, he said this. He said that she said this. We have an electronic record of exactly what was said. No confusion, time stamp, date stamp, everything. And it would be direct questions and then looking for direct clarification about, you know, what the information is going to be. But I would expect this sort of misconduct for however long, you know, whenever the semester ends or quarter ends or whatever it is, I would expect this sort of misconduct. And just on the professional side, hey, I, I think everybody can say it, particularly over the last two years, we've been there where you have a tough day. Mask make comes mask mandate returns or disappears or whatever. You got to get vaccinated or whatever. Anything. Lots of things have been bad uh, where something else has stressed you out, frustrated you. And then you go to respond to someone else totally unrelated and you end up being short, discourteous with them. All it takes is a moment, a little bit of self-reflection, a little bit of honesty, like, whoa, whoa. What the, the white student told the black teacher last week. So, yeah, I'm in my feelings. My fault. I, you, you did not do anything. I was upset. This whole Rona situation has got me, you know, wound up and other colleagues getting on my nerves. It's my job to answer your questions. Let me make sure I, I, I do the best that I can. Is this clear? Did my answer resolve the issue or do I need to, you know, give further explanation? Just let me know and I'm going to try to do a better job. You let me know if you're satisfied. That's all. That would have A plus. My, and then I might would have thought, hey, this guy is my friend after all. Not really if I understand white supremacy racism, but at least, hey, he is being professional. That's what you should do. You can't even do that. You got to come up to me as he's no apology. We still friends. 
Where he know, man, I was all rude and just fussed at her. Oh, well, that's what I do. Take it out on the nigger. I feel a little bit better. That's what to expect from race soldiers. Uh, I'll get in one more email and then we will get to the callers. Uh, okay. Uh, this is a uh, black female victim of racism. Uh, dear Gus and callers, this week has been quiet. The director, white female, and nurse practitioner, white female, are both out this week. This is a religious time. Oh, that's right in this Good Friday. Oh, what's good about it? Uh, it's definitely been less stressful, much easier to get work done. My attempted partner started a new position and is orienting. He changed his schedule at his previous job to watch the babies. Bravo. However, his orientation requires that he works at the same time as I do, so we had to find childcare. I had so much anxiety finding a sitter. I can only imagine. My mom suggested one of my husband's sisters. He asked his young sister and she agreed. Oh, well, that's oh, best you can do. Hey, right on. She's been excellent. Woo-hoo! And she has worked as a child care provider in the past. It's such a relief that even now I want to cry. I can only imagine like it could be Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Uh, I am grateful we found assistance and someone that is caring. Attempted parenting is definitely a difficult job. You can say that on into an infinity, uh, especially for victims of white supremacy classified as black like Jesus. Uh, You are right that it is a lifetime assignment. Bold face print underline. I recently got approved for life insurance with my union and at insurance company. My supervisor, non-white Hispanic female, suggested that I get life insurance. I also decided to do this because I would hate to die and leave my attempted family with nothing. Mr. Fuller states that we should prepare for death. I asked him about how to deal with the death of a victim this week on his radio program. I would suggest that the listener get life insurance. I still need to work on my will. Will we talk about that? I plan to do this within the year. Good job. Has anyone worked on a will? I think retired firefighter has. I apologize for speaking out of turn. I have not done this, but we did talk about this uh, for some of these very reasons. Uh, It's come up repeatedly because this can cause so many problems uh, for non-white people and gives so many opportunities for real. I mean, you want to talk about conflict among non-white people? Wow. Mess around and die and don't leave a will, especially if you die and leave more than like five peanuts and 30 cent. Woo! Race soldiers can come in and like have your remaining relatives ready to burn down the whole block over what, 35 cents and 10 peanuts. And race soldiers will sit back and crack up laughing and then they will come in after the carnage and take the 10 peanuts and 35 cents. Definitely write a will equally with the life and especially, especially, especially if you are an attempted parent life insurance policy mandatory like you uh, parenting is a lifetime job. And if you should die unexpectedly, like I try to think of as much as I could to be of service to you, knowing that you are going to be extraordinarily terrorized for the duration of your life. 
Should I be killed, murdered, Mark Furman, Dylan Storm Roof, anything of the nature? John Henryism happened to me before you are so-called grown and able to, you know, kind of manage on your own. I tried to think of that, too. Being as responsible as we can. Uh, she finishes uh, working on the will. Absolutely. Has anyone worked on the will? What would you suggest that I put in it? Hope everyone is still learning and using the knowledge to end this system. Best to vegan RD. Um, hmm, I don't know if that's workplace racism, but it is important. So I guess for the last one, folks can think about it. And uh, you need to share at the end and or we can share tomorrow uh, things that you should put in a will. Because, yeah, that's not really workplace racism. But for uh, the rest of it, in terms of the white people not being on the job and things being easier to get done Many times, racists, they're just there to waste our time. We've had so many people where they're talking. They want to talk about I think she said that. They want to talk. What are you doing for Christmas? What are you going to do for Easter? Did you paint the eggs? Is your husband going to participate in the Easter egg hunt? And all the rest of it. Man, we're not here to do any of this. Why do we have to waste 30 minutes of time where I could have got a thousand more things done? We got to sit in here and fend off questions about Bugs Bunny and all this. Fertility. Uh, let's see. Oh, and the child kidnap, that for sure is neutralizing workplace racism. Man, so many people, like I said, you know, go bonkers uh, about that and have gone bonkers about that over the last two half years or what have you. Uh, and trying to find child care with the school situation being just chaos every day. Talk about bonkers. But man, and that's another one like thinking about in advance. Who is going to take care of our child? Like, what does our work schedule look like? How much flexibility? Like, the jobs that we're in right now, is this a job that I think I'm going to be on for the next 30 years? Like, this is a job I think I'm going to retire on? This is a job that I'm hoping I can get rid of in the next six months, so I, who knows what my work schedule could look like? It's a lot of things to that. I mean, that should be high on the list. Did we, you know, meet and we moved out to some place where we don't have a sister, an aunt, a grandparent. We don't have any of that. Someone that we trust a little bit more to look after our child. We're going to have to totally depend on a stranger to safeguard our offspring for eight, ten hours a day, four days a week, five days a week. It's a lot to think about. Like I can totally grasp uh, wanting to cry finding a sibling who can do this. And do this well and even has some experience with child care. I mean, my goodness, especially if you have a, a younger child, like, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, I, I bravo. Congrats. I don't know if that's a congratulation, but I'm, I'm so glad that you all were able to find a safe alternative uh, for your offspring. And if anything, uh, and hopefully that will motivate some other folks well in advance because that's the best way to do it that's the best way to try to think about that well in advance like if we know we don't live in an area where we have relatives and or we don't have relatives that we would trust to leave our child with so we're gonna have to start from scratch on this one like we that is a big one to think about if you know hey both of us work that's gonna have to be the case at least for the the time being so how are we gonna manage that don't want to contribute to, you know, rampant, rampant Boy Scouts and all the rest of it. Some don't want to contribute to that. Jimmy Savile, Thomas Jefferson, Strom Thurmond. 
Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Much obliged to our folks who uh, dialed in to share. The email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Many more emails to go uh, today. Uh, we'll get to the folks who dialed in, uh, see if they have commentary questions. If you have commentary on what you heard from any of the folks, uh, feel free. If you have your own situation, problem, or if you have some triumphs you would like to report, uh, feel free. First few folks who dialed in with a hand up, line should be open. Proceed. Hello, can I hear her? Uh, the Black African uh, with us at Yoga Retreat Number One in the Great VA. Uh, good to hear from you, sir. Yes, sir. Um, a great program. Um, I was, I guess, I was thinking about um, whenever I hear about like Tesla and whatnot, and um, like Elon Musk, and um, I'm reminded of like Joe Rogan. I don't know, like, and uh, this I, I think this is this is slightly related to to workplace racism because of his comment about the Planet of the Apes, and um, I'm reminded of like a like a teacher that I had in South Africa who would make one of his favorite like racist jokes was he'd call like black people like uh babayan which is like uh which is like uh like a like an africana word for baboon and like and then so like the way that that Elon's company like black people are treated is it, it, it's sort of i don't know it's like it's like he's treated as this like super intelligent person. He's like very scientific and he's just like, just like a, I don't know, like this great person. But then people are like, um, are, are, are treated so terribly. Like cause of the, the article that you released, uh, the one with the, with the image of the black lady, I can't remember what the, what the title was, but reading through it, it was just like, wow. Okay. Um, but just the way that, these people are treated is just amazing like um yeah and then on a personal note i was i was up for a promotion um and some of my colleagues like these uh these white women began to sort of sabotage my work um, and by the time that I was up for promotion, I was getting negative feedback and I ended up having, instead of just getting the promotion, I ended up having to interview for the promotion. I didn't know I was going to be interviewing for it. Like I had been informed that you're going to get this promotion, but I guess the white women had done such a great job that I was informed that there was a period over like, I don't know, like a year and a half or so where 
I guess somewhere there I didn't perform well. And and so during the interview process, there was a, a term that was used to describe my work. And I was told that I was, you know, that I was brilliant. And in fact, the, I think the term that was used was talented. You know, you're, you're so talented. Um, and then another word that was used was initiative. I was told that I didn't have initiative. And so I'm in the interview, but it's like a weird situation where I'm interviewing with people that that I've been working with. So, <laughs> so I'm like looking around, like, and I think at some point in the interview, I get frustrated and I even say, I don't know why I'm interviewing. And, um, and so, and I didn't get the, the promotion. And I think it was like when, when I got feedback from about the interview, I was told like about my posture and about, that I should be like, if you're an interview that you should be, you're like with friends and you should be happy. But I felt like as if I was the entire time, like defending myself. Um, and so I realized that when I, when I left there, like when I left the interview process, I was like, I found myself defending myself when I really shouldn't have been defending myself. And I combated that by, because, the people came back to me um, because they still, I, I don't think they didn't, they don't want me to quit because I'm really good at doing what I do. So they don't want me to quit. And so they're st they came to me afterwards saying, okay, you didn't get the promotion, but you know, we still have all this work and we got all this great project and da, 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 da. And so, and so, and they asked me if I was like unhappy and I told them, no, no, I'm, it's not that I'm unhappy. I'm, in fact, I'm happy that you guys found who you're looking for. And, but instead, I decided to write an email to like the highest level white person. And I informed them that, um, yes, I didn't get the promotion, but I had done like a really great job in my view. And that, uh, but I was looking forward to it and da da da. So, like, um, I guess I'm saying this like, in view of like these, some of these like Howard Review, whatever, like the, um, these articles, I, I don't remember ever telling like the honest truth. Like I just, I just lied. I pretended like, you know, uh, I'm not angry and da 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 da. But I did tell the truth in that I, I had performed really, really well. And so in the emails, nobody responded saying, no, that you didn't perform well. And so like, long story short, um, I ended up getting the promotion, but like in a different sort of group, but I ended up getting like the, the money that I was, I was really after the money and the title and I ended up getting it. So, but it was almost all due to, um, not telling the truth about that. I was angry. Um, <laughs> I just said, no, I'm happy, but you know, I, I'm really proud of my work and what I've done. So. Um, I'm looking forward to the future, da, da 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 stuff like that. So yeah, that's I guess that's what I would share in terms of like um, telling the truth or whatever with your about your frustrations in the workplace. Thank you for letting me share. <laughs> that is uh, that is some blackmail privilege for you. Um, as I was listening, um, one I guess quick question I'd ask for we. Now about emails and other callers, 
uh, so many black people, males and females, are branded as angry in the workplace, and that's weaponized. That becomes justification. No raise for you. No promotion for you. Um, it almost... It almost seems like in a really kind of sadistic way, like you have to prove to us that you are not an angry male, even when we give you great cause to be an angry male. Like if you can show under the worst, most unjust circumstances, you still aren't going to be an angry male, then all right, we'll give you an extra few pieces of cornbread is that am i being crazy or or what what do you think yeah no that's that's very very accurate um words like um like afterwards like one of the white ladies said like one of the concerns was if i fit in the culture you know (laughs) Like, do you, do you fit in? We just want to see if you fit in the culture, if it's like long term for you. Like, but this is after like a year and a half of like confusion, sabotage, like me asking like a, like so many questions, like in so many meetings saying like, what is this? Who handles this? Who handles that? Because it can lead to so much confusion in the workplace. But yes, that is correct. It was, I think it was almost like what you were describing, like, is he going to be angry? Is he going to be this? Da, 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 da. Let's, let's play with his emotions and see what happens. Very interesting. Um, <laughs> it can't just be I've seen this sort of pattern. It can't just be that a black person gets a promotion or they get hired, they get a new job or what have you. It can't just be, oh, okay, we, you know hired the black African whoever the person is and probably oh no 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 (laughs) Uh, well we decided to get it to someone else how are you feeling are you okay let's see is he going to explode is he going to rape us call us crackers let's see let's see let's see and then they sit back and watch and come in hey how you doing you feeling okay you angry let's see let's see gotta provoke him a little bit and it's like all right all right well it seems we did find a way and we are going to go ahead and bring like after you've had this long odyssey and all this unnecessary emotional turmoil and all the rest of it oh I am going to get it okay wow this has been an exhausting process probably for no reason like why love this sort of thing just playing with black people and to get their kicks and get their jokes and all the rest of it uh, just to be really manipulative uh, and I, this might even be one where there was some unjust networking because he said it's been a whole year of sabotage and confusion and white women going behind his back oh no 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 his work is oh yeah 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 so he's messed this up right here and messed it up yeah yeah he's he is not brilliant not brilliant at all no really and that's the sort of thing I would be very curious because if you have someone where they show a lot, what do you call initiative? You are doing great work here and on a consistent basis. Like if you have someone like that, especially in this environment where so many people have said, hey, we are short staff. We don't even have enough talent. We got a talented person with initiative. Hey, we got to hold on to this one. 
they're going around sabotaging. The thing I call attention to was, hey, if I do make a mistake, mistake and all of us make errors from time to time, is it, hey, the black African, you've been doing great work. Just one or two things. Give you an opportunity to clean this up and sky is the limit. Keep doing what you're doing right now. You own this place. That's one way you can handle it or because it doesn't sound like that's what they did. That's not what he shared with us. He said, ah, messed that up. Let me go tell. Make her. Yep. Yep. See, mess this up. Mess this up. Yeah, he's been doing really shoddy work of late. (laughs) Dang, do I get maybe I need more training. Maybe I wasn't trained correctly in the first place. Maybe just quick little touch her up be doing even better work nah 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 sabotage very consistent and consistent with people who are doing great work who seem like I'm showing up on time I'm not drunk I'm not name calling and picking fights with other uh, employees I'm a safe worker somebody you want to keep right asset to the company nah, nah, nah. Bravo, keeping your cool. That's why I say that is number one in the system of white supremacy. Because I suspect if he had got an attitude, he even said, like, I'm not going to be truthful. Go ahead. Keep things to myself. Choose my words carefully. If he had got an attitude, all this great work I've been doing, I've been making you crackers, all this money. and all it, No promotion for you. God, even under the worst because they do, as he just said, they do so much to provoke us in so many different settings. It is critical. That is number like nothing else matters. Nothing else that we talk about means anything at all. If you cannot control your emotions, they are going to try their best to do that, as he said. And they love to get us on the defensive to put you come in and attack and do all this criticizing and then come back and fault you and it seemed like you were defensive you all spent an hour interrogating (laughs) what are you talking about I didn't even think we were doing an interview like (sighs) system of white supremacy all by design and then they sit around and laugh about this sort of thing this is their giggles for you know good Friday Bunch of blood and congratulations. You can't even just get that's what I mean. You can't even just get congratulations. That's great. This gotta be man. <laughs> like, woof. I guess congratulations for enduring all of that. Jesus Lord. Can't just be you got a raise and moving on. Endured all of that to get the promotion raise. Bravo. Excellent counter racist work, sir. Uh the number again, seven two zero seven uh seven seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate before we nab the other folks he mentioned that uh tesla report that was in the la times a few days back which was really really just informative disgraceful many things they said one line they said an army veteran these are the folks that they've been fussing at colin kaepernick for right an army veteran was promoted to a fleet manager job he said he was fired after he complained that his boss called him and two black co-workers 
Baba Yans. Monkeys. Do the same thing all over the world. This how you treat a veteran? Thank you for your service, putting your life on the line. Nah, sit around and cut Planet of the Apes. <laughs> That's why I said it was disgraceful. It was really informative, the Tesla report that was in the LA Times, but disgraceful all the way through. Uh, other folks who dialed in, uh, if you have a hand up, proceed. Matt, you heard? Yes, sir. Proceed. Thank you, guys, for taking my call. Uh, greetings, everybody on the line. Um, yeah, um, I want to first say uh, my condolences to the young lady who was killed um, driving Lyft, just trying to make extra funds. Uh, that one, you know, reminds me a lot of my nieces and nephews. Um, they're over the ages trying to, you know, find themselves and, of course, get in getting gainful employment and um they're having difficulty trying to figure that out a couple of them have decided to go to the military um hopefully you know this situation will work out for them um i have a couple nephews who've been incarcerated for quite some time one has just been released and he um is having difficulties trying to find employment and um, also has a uh, three-year-old daughter. So um, I'm trying to, um, I guess, advise him the best I can, you know, about that. And, and I, I guess I'll say about Lyft as a company. Um, I used to drive for Lyft. Um, yeah, they're not a, they're not gonna, uh, I guess, protect you in any kind of way. Or assist you in any kind of way. It's just, it's just whatever. You're on your own. Um, a report about talking about, I guess, um, things in the workplace that are kind of controversial. Um, that one, um, I, I think I've, I've committed that mistake a couple times on in my uh, employment. Um, I used to talk about political things and all type of stuff when I got to my employment, and I don't think it really helped out. Uh, I do remember one time, this is during the um, the football protesting with Colin Kaepernick, and they were taking knees and stuff like that, and I had one non-white, non-black, quote-unquote, uh, Filipino uh, co-worker who made the statement that I don't know why these people are kneeling. They shouldn't kneel. They just should just get up and play and shut up. And um, I responded and I asked them, well, I made a statement first. I was like, well, they're protesting um, the killings, the unjust killings of American citizens, quote unquote, American citizens. Um, and, um, I was, and I asked them, uh, should American citizens just be killed without getting justice? Um, he then, he kind of like uh, shot away, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I guess you're right, yeah, yeah, you know, and kind of walked off. But I don't know if that was the right move for me. Because I kind of revealed some of my uh, thinking 
in in the workplace. So, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't advise talking about any anything that has to do with anything that doesn't have to do with the workplace uh, at all. You know, because I, I believe I was just set up right there just to give that statement. And again, this is a while ago, back when I was doing the protest, and you know, Colin Kaepernick was there. Um, uh, I guess uh, say uh, congratulations to the Black African for getting a raise. Um, but you know, that's all for now, Gus. And thank you for taking my call. Much obliged, good sir. If you had to uh, do over again, uh, so the fella says, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, why these folks are out here, you know, taking a knee and all the rest of it. just shut up and dribble, you know, shut up and, and play the game or whatever, shut up and throw the pass or whatever. Uh, if you had to do over again, would you say that? Would you say something different or total change in, in how you would behave? How would you handle it if it came up again or you had to do it over? Uh, what, what I would do now, I guess from listening to the cows, I, w- I would uh, give the response uh, did you get that report that I sent to you, um, Phil? I will give that kind of response because I was waiting on it. That's what I would probably say now. I see. I see. I see. Keep it on the workplace. I'm a big fan. I was going through the archives. It'll probably probably take me a second, but there was a report from like towards the end of last year there was a black female I believe she was in the Michigan area uh, a listener mailed it to me she worked at some sort of like uh, like a doctor's office we'll say and somehow I think the patient the doctor was there her employer the patient I think was there and somehow it came up someone asked the same type of question like I don't know why oh I think it was the protests they were in Michigan and I think they were protesting because a black person had been shot or whatever so I don't know why they're out there doing all that running around and blah 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 and all the rest of it and the black female uh, said oh they're protesting because black people are being killed and it's important and black lives matter and blah 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 white doctor came in and fired her the same day didn't even you know give an explanation just you're no longer working here not the same thing said make sure uh, where the black african was talking about make sure that you're a good fit for the culture uh said it's not going to work out just don't think it's a good fit for a culture and yeah today's your last day we'll take your key and you'll be paid for your full hours today thank you kindly do not especially the like volunteering to share your view on politics, racism, white supremacy, even if you work with other exclusively other non-white people who are all classified as black, they were all born in the U.S. I wouldn't be volunteering my thoughts and what have you then, even if they asked me questions. I'm not sure. And redirect back to things about the workplace, because I just like I said, I've never heard anyone tell me that sharing this information as a non-white person has been beneficial. We just heard a caller in Virginia. She said the uh, black male brought up somehow black people in the Caribbean and something related to racism talking to another black person during the interview process and did not get the job. That's what I've seen consistently. I don't have any of the, oh man, I went in and started sharing and talking about Neely Fuller Jr. 
Dr. Francis Cress Welsing and the White Privilege Conference. I got a raise. I got a new office. I got the front. I've never heard that. Not a gas core, not a gas card, not a pecan, nothing. No benefit if you are classified as black for running off at the mouth about politics, current events, racism, what books you're reading, nothing. Keep it on the job. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I, I used to make that mistake all the time back when I first started. And I, I think it has hindered me in a lot of ways. But again, thank you, Gus, and thank you to the cows for providing information that, that I can learn from. Thank you. All of us still learning, still learning. Uh, much obliged, good sir. Uh, number again, 720-716-7300. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. I'll get in one email, then we'll get to the rest of the callers. So this email, uh, B in Toronto, she writes in. Uh, Greetings, Gus. On Wednesday, yesterday, I came across some information regarding the former plantation. I had noticed on one of the job listing sites that an HR position was vacant. It was interesting because when I had escaped from the plantation, that position was filled and the HR personnel, a white female, the same white female who was being irresponsible in telling me that I have to learn to work with the abusive supervisor, the same white female who felt insulted and seemed perfectly fine with feeding me to the beast of a supervisor as long as her job was not affected. So being nosy, I sent a follow-up email regarding my T4 for taxes as the plantation never did provide it, although I did find the information using an alternate route. But I digress. I received a response from her of which she informed me that she was no longer HR at the plantation. She was fired. I acted shocked and kept it brief, but in no way surprised nor cared. After all, she was okay with handing me over to the beast for me to be fired, further abused. And here she got cannibalized from the same beast. The irony. Whenever dealing with toxic workplaces, document, call it out, and plan an exit strategy to leave be in Toronto there's so many like by the time you get through with like all of the nepotism and cronyism and white people who are like totally incompetent and they just been moved along and given jobs and all the rest of it and their family is well off so they don't really have to try very hard and much of anything you have so much of that throughout the system of racism, white supremacy, it is just not surprising uh, to have white people who sometimes are in really important positions, totally incompetent, not even qualified to have the job. Like we've heard that people who said per people who they know they weren't even qualified to apply for the job. And the first one with their name in the hat position comes open. You know, you can't do this job. Why are you even applying? I'm a white woman. I'm a white man. I'm accustomed to getting jobs even when I don't deserve to have them. Then I'll turn around and talk about meritocracy. Mark, what I call him Mark G.E.D. Furman. 
community college dropout. Not disparaging community college. Much obliged. Be in Toronto. And good job getting your pertinent information. That's another one, too. Part of your exit strategy to make sure that you have all of your pertinent information. Uh, if that's physical, digital, everything so that you're not scrambling and hurting once you've left and then trying to see if you can get this and that because anything, you know, it could be that you have uh, maybe three or four people that you still, you know, have some sort of rapport with after you leave. Who knows? Within three, four days, they might not work there. Now, I don't have anybody there that I have as a resource. And it can be really hard sometimes to get that information uh, if it has not been purged outright. So that is a huge and important part of your exit strategy, making sure all pertinent information and or property. You've got all of that stuff well in advance of your last day so that when the final day comes, whenever that is, I don't need a cardboard box. I don't need to worry about what's on my computer or their, excuse me, their computer. I don't need to worry about any of that. All been taken care of. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with their hand up, if you have commentary, should be with us. Greetings, everyone. Retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, sir. Uh, to the uh, the last caller, uh, and everybody actually, uh, what he was reporting, uh, in my opinion, uh, it's basically uh, by a uh, a uh, person on the job that would uh, bring up such an issue on the work site it, it's actually in my opinion is a disingenuous statement that's shrouded into a question and it's designed for a victim of racist white supremacy primarily a black victim of racist white supremacy to respond just to get that non-white person to say something it could be for a lot of different reasons, as uh, was, I think Gus mentioned about uh, a black female actually getting terminated for her quote-unquote opinion. Uh, so uh, I am a person uh, who have made that mistake for decades uh, in in employment uh because for once well, well i just figured it wasn't nothing going to be done to me uh because first of all they would have had to gotten to a lot of white people before they get to me but then again there is a history of white people doing the uh doing the opposite and basically not caring about uh the inconsistency of harming a non-white person on their job, regardless of white people saying and doing the same thing. Uh, and you, and as Gus mentioned, you're really not going to get anything out of it at all. <laughs> definitely not a raise, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, just uh, resist the temptation of responding to it 
and uh, I, you will find out that that type of baiting would uh, cease to desist uh, quite soon. It will. It would. It, they would stop trying to trigger you like that on on your job. Uh, with my report, uh, the first thing I was uh, thinking about was uh, the person by the name of Jackie Roosevelt Robinson. Why? Because uh, I've heard that uh, there's some sort of anniversary towards him, uh, and he always gets this. Uh, this uh, uh, claim connected with him, which a lot of people understand that it's not accurate. Being the first black person to, to uh, go into get a job as a player in the major league, major league baseball, uh, that particular uh, distinction, uh, from my understanding, was accomplished by a black male sixty years before. Jackie Roberts by the name of uh, Moses Fleetwood Walker. Uh, and that was before the 20th century. Uh, his story was was uh, rather interesting. <laughs> rather interesting. But uh, to keep it in line with what the day is, uh, it's basically is, uh, getting employment. Uh, based on a skill that uh, that uh, people uh, would mind paying for, and uh, black males had been denied uh, of that at the time. Uh, matter of fact, during the time of Mr. Walker and Mr. Robinson, baseball actually was the top uh, sport in this part of the world. Uh, football was not as popular as baseball when Jackie Robinson signed that contract in 1947. Baseball was a top sport. Uh, and there was at least about maybe another 10 years, 10, 10 almost 15 years before uh, baseball was not the top sport in this part of the world. Uh and I mean, most people who are listening to me right now, they I don't have to mention to you about the Jackie Robinson story, but uh, basically uh, he, uh, with a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, issues that he had to go through in order to get the job, stay with the job, maintain his employment, there were certain rules that was, that he had to abide by. And he also... Uh, him and his wife were had uh, took took the the time to be codified so he could maintain not only maintain his job but maintain his life in the process. Uh, and he also uh, went beyond just his employment and uh, had some. Uh, counter racist activities that he was involved in. He made mistakes along the way. Uh but nevertheless, uh he spent most of his life uh in that light, uh trying to solve the problem of racism, white supremacy, uh from his own personal perspective. Now, 
this past weekend, uh, I uh, scheduled a uh, a I'll, I'll call it a field trip <laughs> to uh, uh, Tallahassee, Florida, uh, from last weekend the the eighth to the tenth uh, to basically observe to see a friend of mine who I uh, worked with as a coach uh, and uh, and observed the staff at the great Florida A&M University uh, to observe the coaching staff and also spend time with uh, the assistant head football coach at Florida A&M University, who I worked with uh, coaching for at least 25 years. Uh, I worked with him directly. Uh was it was quite an interesting trip. Uh, basically, what I have to report has nothing to do with, have very little to do with football itself. Uh, it's basically in the situation of black males, older black males, identifying and uh, uh, witnessing or sharing with younger black males. Uh, and that is a large part of what takes place in the football or sports level that I attended as a historical black college and also at Florida and them, because one has to think of, of this, uh, for the most part, uh, the national football league does not have to get their black players from historical black colleges. Uh, there's only one player on that team that will get drafted uh, into the NFL. And he was a transfer into Floyd and m He didn't come to Floyd and m as a freshman. But anyway, uh, I, you know, I spent time observing what, but the most, the most, uh, the most informative uh, part of my observation was the head football coach uh, had a meeting with the team uh, where he uh, had a law enforcement officer. And this this was like kind of like surprising to me because he was a young fellow that I coached about 20 years ago that was a law enforcement officer at Floyd A&M University uh, to, talk to talk to the team about the state of Florida's definition of sexual assault. Sexual assault, which is very important to black males today. To talk about that subject of what kind of trouble that you can get into by saying something incorrect or doing something incorrect. Uh, the meeting lasted for about maybe an hour and a half where the uh, law enforcement officer gave his professional understanding of the laws in the state of Florida on sexual harassment. We know on how prevalent that can be on a college campus. We know how prevalent that can be when it comes to black male student athletes. Uh, and, uh, also it was, you know, questions and answers, uh, that sort of thing. 
uh, just to explain a little bit of it, uh, example of you can find yourself not, if you do not respond to a female uh, stating, okay, stop what you're doing. I'm talking about in the process of sex, quote unquote. Uh, you can be charged as an offender, arrested and charged as an offender. Uh, you could be indicted and sentenced and go to prison. Uh, even an arrest can jeopardize your means for employment. Now, mind you, like I said, at historical black colleges, most of those guys who play sports graduate. By the time a young fellow goes to one of those type of colleges, and, and they are still there after a year, they pretty much have a good idea in mind by that time that the NFL is not interested so much into going to those places to recruit them as professional football players. Therefore, if they make the choice of staying there and paying attention to what they're going to school for, they're probably going to graduate. I have coached guys on the high school level. There's one right now who is gaining his master's degree while he plays one more year at Floyd a and uh, And he's got the first one that is in that same situation. There's another one that I coached a year that came, came out a year after him that, uh, he came up to whereas he was so financially financially uh uh well very little money that I for the time that he was in high school would help him with stuff like lunch money and food to last him uh money to last him for a week and things like that. Uh he would be graduating and moving into employment uh after college. And this is this is some of the constructive things about historical black colleges that a lot of people don't know about uh, that uh, comes out of those type of institutions still. Uh, most of those guys that's on that team are going to go through the full course, full course academically in their field of study and graduate and move on into employment. Most of your teachers in the state of Florida come out of Florida A&M University. Most of your pharmacists in the state of Florida, probably in the place, the concept that's called the United States, most of the black pharmacists come from Florida A&M University. Uh, and uh, so uh, this is what <laughs> the field trip that I I took and uh, how I observed and studied and and uh, and in some cases admired in a lot of cases admired uh, what was going on, you know, up there uh, with the uh, the football team and uh, that's all I have to say right now. Thank you. Much obliged, retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, bravo to the folks uh, trying to do something constructive with the uh, 
young victims of white supremacy. Uh, see if they can, you know, share some constructive information. Like, my goodness, all that with uh, Deshaun Watson and so many other folks, like having their whole career uh, put in. Mr. Watson, he didn't even get any indictments or anything. In fact, that's a great one because that's current. Like, Mr. Watson just signed that extension. I think like a quarter of a billion dollars. Now, he had to wait an entire year and not play any football. Now, maybe that's God looking out for him and say that would be a little less brain damage for you. But he had a whole year, couldn't play any football, could have jeopardized a quarter of a billion dollars. Now, the white people said they stole 80 billion from the Paycheck Protection Program. But I mean, hey, so much, so much Deshaun Watson can do. He is only one person. But I mean, think about that. That's what you could be talking about. I mean, hey, jeopardize that much money. That is certainly nothing to sneeze at. But I mean, even if it was McDonald's job or, you know, anything, hey, opportunity to go to college because that happens too. man. You facing an indictment that somebody accused you of some sort of inappropriate touching or whatever else. And hey, a lot of that happens in the workplace. Jeffrey Tubin, whole reason we read about old OJ Simpson, people getting on Zoom in the middle of all this and cutting a fool. Decide that's the time that, hey, I'm going to do a little unzipping and, you know, say something cute to such and such and all the rest of it. You are a black male in a system of white supremacy. Deshaun Watson. Jameis Winston, whatever else, you are already assumed to have raping tendencies. You have to be very mad. I mean, hey, that's that's as specific as you can get. We are going to look at the statute for Miami-Dade County sexual harassment. Penal code section, I mean, and run it right down. So, hey, be aware. This can have huge ramifications regardless of how much money you have potentially have system of white supremacy like woo, you are an accusation away Nate Parker is so many examples of these like be aware make smart choices encourage your other buddies to make smart choices and even be aware of which buddies you're around because that can happen too sometimes you just happen to be buddies with the wrong person and ee, your buddy has raping tendencies or is accused of having raping tendencies and so bravo uh, to the folks trying to share constructive information so that those young folks can make intelligent, logical, safe choices for themselves and any of the uh, young ladies out there, uh, as well as uh, I guess for Jackie Robinson, if nothing else. Hey, we talked about at the very beginning of this here broadcast, the importance of keeping your composure. Pull lots of that. I said, hey, if nothing else. You disagree with everything else. That's one thing like, oh, okay, well, they might be, you know, cutting the fool on everything else that they're sharing and it doesn't make sense. But that one part about maintaining your composure is extremely important. Things could have been very differently for Jackie Robinson if he was what they call a hothead. And I, you know, got to show these crackers every other player like ye. Probably would not have been alive to get that rookie of the year start of the 1947 season. Not that I'm into baseball like that. 25 years. My goodness. Has it been 25? Worth? That's almost 75. Yikes. 75 years. My goodness. Anywho. Uh, much obliged retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, I'm getting through the emails. 
I'm getting through the emails. I'm going to get one more, and then we're not done, but I'm just getting one more, and then we'll get some of the other folks who called in. Uh, got to be in Toronto. Boom. Uh, next one up. Okay. Black female victim. She writes in. Greetings, Gus. My racist suspect manager is fixated with finding out who I am. You know who I am. I'm a negress. No secrets around here. To the extent that she has come up with a new strategy for getting me to be vulnerable. We still have team catch-ups every Friday so we can talk about non-work matters such as our plans for the weekend. But she's worked out that I do not intend to say much. We've been informed that she will be introducing a game of two truths and a lie for the next team catch-up. She told this to the full team at the end of a work-related team meeting. She then mentioned it to me again during my one-to-one meeting with her. I'm still working from home for part of the week. The requirement is for people to be in the office at least two days a week. Senior management have not enforced this, but are tracking attendance and accept that some people may find this difficult depending on their circumstances. Now, that's one right there. We where they have discretion, uh, discretion and or this policy is not being enforced. Oh, man. Now, you and especially if this has been one where a lot of people were working from home and it, or even if they're working it from home, like exclusively or maybe you come in like one day a week or once a month or whatever it is like, oh, man, you can have some folks where they I'm not even coming in for two days. Are so you going to have to drag me out of my house and footies to come back to the office? She did say they are tracking employment. Now, this is one where I could also see it being where it's a discretion thing, where if you have some black people where they say, hey, I don't feel safe. Or she said circumstances. I don't feel safe. I have child care problems. Anything. Had someone in my family with an illness, all kinds of things that would be legitimate. I don't feel safe. We got people in the office who are not taking it seriously. I don't feel safe returning to this environment. They could be tracked at, hey, this person is not dedicated. You kind of slacking. They said, you know, kind of lazy. Heard that one repeatedly, right? The niggers are kind of lazy. They don't even want to come in. You just want to stay at home in your footies all day long. So I would be mindful of that, even though I'd be very aware it's probably many race soldiers are going to take advantage of that. They will be sitting at home chilling. I thought you're supposed to be back in two weeks. Eh. Catch you all in October. I got to, you know, still a little still a little squeamish about coming in. Meanwhile, they're on Zoom Jeffrey Tubin style. She continues. Supposed to be there two days a week. Senior management have not enforced all this. It is been tracked. I've been in the office one day per week, though not every week. I'm also avoiding days when lots of people are in due to the noise and also COVID risks. Logical. Uh, this week, manager informed me she would like me to be in the office on a day when most of the team are there so that we can work together. She is now claiming that it's important for junior members to learn directly from managers and for collaboration. In other words, it's harder to spy on me, siphon me for ideas she can claim as her own or probe me about my personal life when I'm working from home. Absolutely. And a number of folks have said this. That I'm sure, you know, some folks have loafed and just sat at home and Jeff Tubin, I'm sure. 
But I'm sure a lot of folks have just been productive, getting their work done. They want to get paid. They want to keep their job. So I'm just go wear my footies and get my work done from home. Where they've said what's been missing from that is not the productivity. In fact, we've had a number of folks who said, hey, I have been more productive because I don't have race soldiers pestering me every five minutes. Are you going Easter egg hunting this weekend? What are you going to do with your children? Do you want to come out for happy hour and all that other nonsense where I can just work? No, I don't want to go out for happy hour. Get away from me. I don't want any tequila shots. Get away. Well, you don't have to do that. I can get a lot of work done. Lot. They even had studies where they said, wow, it looks like productivity is way up. I don't have to do 30 minute smoke breaks with you all either. This is not a productivity thing. Some folks have, in fact, written big time reports saying this is a, hey, I'm in charge. Plantation done. How many be a plantation master and the, and the Negroes are not here? I can't crack the whip. Get in line. Pick that cotton faster. Hurry up. Are you talking over there? Are you loafing? Yeah. I can't do any of that. Everybody's at home. All I can get online and we can have our Zoom meeting, but that's not the same thing. I can go around and put my hand on you. What are you doing? Get to work. What time did you get here this morning? We had a whole lot of it. Even the psychological boost that race soldiers get from all all the sabotage, everything that people have been reporting. We have workplace racism. You can do some of that stuff virtually, but it is not the same. You get to be there. I can come and harass your lunch, put your water bottle on the floor, all the rest of it. And every everybody reports all the time. It's totally different when I can't do that. I can come spy on you, pop up in your cubicle anytime I want to. She continues. She has moved on from her strategy of using the non-white black person who I manage as a spy as I tell her nothing intelligent we discuss work work and more work sometimes the weather there it is i'm friendly and courteous as well as supportive as a manager who could ask for more and that's that it's clear she is being used as a spy because my manager repeats back things i have said things i'm okay with being reported back I'm also on the receiving end of her hostility and anti-blackness. Oh, it's so bad. I hate it. I hate it. One thing I will say, though, that is a plus. Like, that's when you know you are working beautiful counter-racism. Everything I say, I am totally fine. Transcript. Transcript. Alexa, go ahead. Rock and roll. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to disguise it. Go ahead. Record it live streaming that is a okay no problem everybody who will ever work at this company i'm all right with them knowing exactly what i said on good friday do you know why i have a code i don't just come in here talking willy-nilly i don't do extemporaneous dialogues let me tell you what i heard al sharpton say this morning (laughs) come on i'm just veer off come in here and explain my thoughts on black lives matter let me tell you what I think about Chris Rock it's not what I get paid for everything that I say I take some time and I think about what's the best thing to say and many times nothing to say nothing need to be said not the chat that's one of the best things that you can do I'm not a chatterbox in the workplace and the things that I do say 
I already considered that. This might be written down, taken back, and shared with everybody here. No problem. Just make sure you get it correctly. That's all I'm really listening for. Make sure they quoted me correctly. I'll listen back. Yep, that's exactly what I said. Perfect. And I didn't hear any rancor. I didn't hear her accusing this victim of white supremacy. She wasn't calling her names. We got this no count coon in here taking back everything I say. And boy, I hate a coon. That's all you do is sit around, eavesdrop on what I say. It's easy. For race soldiers, it's easy for them to grab any non-white person. Use them on the plantation. If you don't want to do it, here's your pink slip. Go to the next person. You don't want to do it, here's your pink slip. Go to the next person. It's not a big deal. If we can't fire you, you don't want to do it, I'll remember that when it's promotion time. You don't want to do it, I'll remember that when it's raise time. It's not a problem. In fact, what I just said, it's easy to manipulate non-white people to spy on other non-white in fact they might not even know that's how they're being manipulated we are so confused major point hey trying to be universal woman I'm not going to sit here and just blast and name call this other victim and talk dirty she could be fired tomorrow bring in another victim and do the same thing have to get at the person who is in charge who gave this victim this assignment to the begin with that is the person who is responsible for all of this the white woman and she successfully neutralized that anyway I'm in control of my mouth and what I say so I mean hey I already know what you're going to have to take back to say nothing that will get me in trouble continuing I've been managing the non-white black female for under a month and have weekly one-to-one meetings with her she has worked for the organization for many years and was promoted into the role she failed to turn up to the third meeting I had moved it from the morning to late afternoon and she was not feeling well after another meeting she attended with my manager I called her zoom at the time of our meeting was due to start no response after two more attempts and messages emails I moved the meeting appointment to the following morning she finally contacted me 20 minutes after the meeting was due to start but she finishes work at 4 p.m. and it was 4.50 p.m. So I told her I had sent her an invite for the following morning. The next day I asked why she missed the meeting. She informed me that she got stuck talking with my manager. Now come on. I asked her to ensure she let me know if there were any issues in the future rather than leave me hanging around wasting my time. She then informed me that she wanted to end the unscheduled meeting she had with my manager and that when she told her she was due to meet with me, dun dun dun, she was told not to worry. I was then told that the earlier meeting they had attended only lasted 15 minutes so essentially they had an unscheduled catch-up when she was supposed to be meeting with me and had ignored my messages and calls in other words dun 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 I was the topic of discussion so tacky and trifling in so many ways like man and again 
the person who is most to blame because I still haven't seen the name calling. Maybe it's to come. I got a little more left, but I still haven't heard. Coon, can you believe this coon, Gus? Sitting around here spying on me and wasting my time. I hate a coon. I haven't heard any of that. And you know the person that's still most to blame for all of this? White woman again. And I was saying the whole time, like, I bet she knew this meeting was supposed to happen. And that's another one. That's a beautiful what I say before white people and causing black people non-white people to be in conflict that is a beautiful one because man gusty gets livid about people wasting my time that's an easy one where the race soldier they got access to all the technology so if this meeting was in a calendar or whatever or emails and all that stuff IT people and all that I'm sure she oh okay they got a meeting at the uh oh uh come here if you could just Come here, Asada. I need to talk to you for a little while. Yes, we have to talk, do a little bit of talking. And uh, yes, uh, you've been working with Betty for a while. Yes, you and her have a meeting, actually. Yes. Oh, well, don't even worry about it. I'll let her know that, you know, you, you'll be a little bit late. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, if she messaged, don't even worry about it. I'll message her right now and let her know. So let's talk. Yes, yes. Have you, have you had any problems with Betty? Has she said anything? Is she into that woke call and just on and on and what sort of information does she tell you about her family what do you know about her husband her eating hat and on and on and on the person who is most to blame classified as white and again you don't go into these workplace situations thinking that just because this person is classified as black or non-white or whatever victim of racism that doesn't mean that they're my homie anyway I already know race soldiers this is one of the this is the tactic if you are the minority on the planet in terms of white people is way fewer than them than it is non-white people you're gonna have to use non-white people to maintain this system so I'm already thinking that going these are not my friends army of one that's what I've been hearing so far maybe we're gonna get some name calling as it goes down the stretch let's see uh, I was the topic of discussion of course uh, I'm sure inappropriate things were said about me but I question whether my manager explicitly told the non-white female to ignore me, although it is possible. I question it because the non-white female has twisted things I have said or suggested I have said things that I have not. That said, my manager has clearly signaled to her that she does not have to respect me now that's when I have to read that again because I just talked about that and this happens all the time we were just talking to Bay Area mom she was talking uh, in a work in a school city worst workplace but I'm just saying it was an academic classroom setting and I suspected that her white teacher supervisor was doing the same thing talking bad about her making in on a professional and inappropriate comments in front of the students and probably other co-workers she hopped back on the line and confirmed yep and the students even told her she just sits around here and talks bad about you even she said the little fella told her I think she's just jealous I think she's jelly of you because you know you're younger and doing things and you can work with the children and you're so prepared and she just hates you she's just jelly that's all it is who does that in front of children racist woman racist man and they do this all the time the unjust networking and signaling just what I said because I said that with Bay Area mom she probably does this in front of the students because she said the same thing some of the black students what eh, shut up I don't have to listen to you get out of here and she's like, whoa 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 don't you ever talk to me that way and I said they probably are picking up on the same thing with this white woman is 
this little nigga woman is nothing. And they just pick up on that. Oh, she's not in charge. Black, get back. You're not in charge. This white, but you're not white. I don't have to listen to you, little nigga woman. And they just pick up on that. That happens all the time, even whether the victims are little children in school or whether we are bigger children in a workplace setting. They see the same thing where the white people are sitting around gossiping about us and talking bad about us. And, oh, she's no counting. Oh, he's lazy and, rah, 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 and all the got raping tendencies and whatever. You got to keep an eye on them. Let me know in case they're doing anything. We're in this together. Same thing I said before, that white validation. We're friends. We're in this together. That no count Negro. You keep an eye on me and let me know. If they get out of line, hey, that could be your position. The sentence I said I need to read again with emphasis. My manager has clearly signaled to her that she does not need to respect me. If she did tell the non-white female to ignore me, I'm sure she did not tell her to repeat it back to me. I'm also sure the non-white female informed my manager that I had raised the matter of her missing my meeting because my manager now makes a point of asking me how the non-white female is doing, which she has not done before. <laughs> she probably was waiting like, oh, I'm going to make her miss that meeting so she can get mad. And then I get it double ways. She'll come back and complain that no count heifer. She didn't even call mommy. Like, really? I can't believe it. Let's put that in her personal. What did she do? Tell me. They are the worst. She continues. Uh, I've also noticed a slight smirk on my manager's face when she asks this question, hoping, in my opinion, to create conflict between us. No one does it better. I am not rising to the bait. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Uh, I am very calm and professional when I respond. There's much more to say, which I will leave for next week. Work next week's workplace racism broadcast. Uh, gotta love back. Gotta love Cheetos. Got your back. Gotta love Cheetos. Man, that right there it takes so much discipline, and especially now because everybody's frustrated. There's so many things to be frustrated about. It can be so easy to just take that bait. Yep. Boy, she has gotten on my nerves. And boy, she done 15,000 things and she came in late and her fingernails are dirty and, and missed my meeting and wasted my time and she didn't text me. Oh, and she will really? I can't. That is so unprofessional and that is a disgrace. I'm going to talk to her about that and ran, ran, ran. Let's put that in her personnel and got it both ways. You don't have to be, I mean, there was no thought that this black person or any other black people there were my friends, brothers, sisters, homies, cousins, none of that. These are just other victims of white supremacy on the planet. I am a counter racist army of one. I'm courteous to them. I'm helpful to them to the degree that I can be, but I'm not thinking that they got my back. They're going to be looking out for me. If we're going to be a counter racist team, no way. Racists will use them to harm me. They are victims. They will try to use me to harm them. I try to resist that as best I can and neutralize their efforts at every turn. I'm not talking to them as though they're my friends, so they're not going to have anything to report back on me. And that's a lot of it right there. I'm following policy and procedures, so they're not going to have anything to report back on on me. 
I'm not thinking like I can sneak in here 20 minutes late and they're not going to wrap me out to the boss. That is never my thought process. It's Good Friday, so I'm going to leave an hour early and they won't wrap me out. That's never my thought process. If I am going to do that, I will make sure that they don't see me. They will not be a part of my plan. Same thing, uh, Andy. Andy Dufree and Shawshank Redemption. When he goes to break out of the prison, he didn't go grab Red. You're my homie. You're my man. 20 grand. Let me tell you about my plan. Nope. Why? I know Warden Norton can come down here and kill you. He can put all kinds of pressure on you to make you uh, squeal. Not that you're a bad person or a coward. Just you're a victim of racism. That's what it is. So the way I neutralize that, Red my Morgan Freeman, he doesn't have anything to say. You beat on him all day long. He doesn't know anything to share. Same thing with the non-white people I work with on the job. Like We would have to be homies from like kindergarten. Family. Work with my mom type of a thing. If it's not that, we're not talking about nothing but things related to the job. Got through the entire email with all of that. Not one coon, sambo, handkerchief head, Uncle Tom, not one. Discipline and maintaining your emotions again. Excellent work. Not rising to the bait. Uh, let's see. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. The email until justice at gmail. Uh, other folks with a hand up if you have commentary to share line should be open proceed folks are getting their thoughts together uh, should be here for our compensatory call in uh, tomorrow Saturday 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific uh, let us know uh, if you have thoughts current events to share we also also should be here this coming Sunday uh, irregular time 3 p.m. Eastern 12 noon Pacific for the global Sunday talk on racism uh, check in with some of our folks in different parts of the world get our COVID-19 update uh, from other places uh, see if how many other parts of the world were paying attention to the terror attack as it has now been charged uh, in New York uh, at the beginning of the week charged to a black male no less uh, to see how much New York center of the universe see how if folks all over the planet were talking about that event and then the arrest photos of the black male suspect but that'll be Sunday 3 p.m. Eastern 12 noon Pacific uh, I might be able to see if I can touch to get all of our emails. Uh, let's see. Next email. I think this is number five, unless I lost count. Uh, black male victim of white supremacy writes in. Uh, greetings. Oh, this black male. So he wrote in a few weeks back. 
operating the bus where he said the young uh, race soldier white child I think he said was like six seven years old uh, was pouting on the bus he said oh man what's wrong little fella you okay said, ah, start my day looking at your black ass <laughs> like what it's seven o'clock in the morning like he, what same uh, victim unfortunately so he says oh and he said the same school district he said where they had told him uh, you can't have your keys dangling around your neck like that because that is reminiscent of a penis no you've got those raping tendencies same victim so he says this time I'm planning my exit strategy from this toxic school district I applied for a part time position and because of my overall work experience they told me they will hire me right on I also got this position as a backup because if these racists at my job attempt to sabotage me there it is uh, by lying on me at least I'll have money coming in or I can go full time to keep up with my bills until I find another plant plantation that pays me as much as the district as a victim of white supremacy we always have to stay one step ahead Thanks for your support and the cows. Uh, much obliged, sir. Best way to do it. Um, just being alert, especially if you see like the environment is that toxic where you have so many different things happening and you don't have support. Uh, the people that you'd be going to for support are also engaged in terroristic behavior and, and all the rest of it. Like, wow, sometimes, like I said, you have to kind of make an assessment. Like, is this a place where I'm going to be able to, to grow and develop? my career next two years next two months safely and if not yes let me go ahead and get cracking now to see if I can find something that will be an improvement uh, maybe it's not a gargantuan improvement hopefully so but at least an improvement and then I can keep working hopefully from a safer plantation uh, to find you know something that I'd like to do or something better but man that is uh, terroristic environments abound uh, with everything that's happening right now and the sabotage the sabotage you have to be real alert for that especially if you're doing quality work sabotage in the workplace be mindful and document uh, real quick also just to go back our caller uh, he was uh, acknowledging uh, the death of the Lyft driver make sure I get her name in Bella Lewis, black female Lyft driver who was killed uh, and th saying he was thinking about some of his other family members and nieces, nephews, cousins, all the rest of it, who same thing might be trying to see if they can make a few extra nickels and uh, doing DoorDash or Uber Eats or whatever it is, Uber itself. That might be a way to make a few coins or what have you and just the safety precautions. I think he even mentioned uh, some of his relatives and what have you, maybe looking at the military. We had talked about that. Uh, a few weeks back and saying hey just making sure that you can make an informed decision if it's going to be the military uh, informed in, in every way so that you don't miss out if you have an opportunity where you could get uh, a signing bonus and all the rest of it to maximize the experience and make it as safe as possible uh, and then for Uber and all the rest of it like hey very dangerous times you need to have an extensive code for your safety if you're going to do this and maybe even a this is how long I intend to do this, especially with gas prices being what they are like. Woof. 
That is because we've had a number of folks who had to even say they had to reconsider, is this worth it for many reasons? Now that the, the increase in gas is eating into the profits and the safety of all of this, like, wow, is this worth the risk? Definitely a huge one to think about if you are a black person in a system of white supremacy. Uh, let's see. Uh, other folks, comments, they wanted to make sure that they get in. Please don't wait till the last moment if you have commentary to share. Caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I wanted to start out with the, I think, yeah, the Good Friday and the Easter and everything. Uh, two quick observations. Uh the decorations, uh, apparently the black female victim bought these de uh, decorations with the the white rabbit that says, Happy Easter, brown rabbit, or the Negro rabbit. Every bunny, welcome. And she thought it was quote-unquote cute. And... You know, I just observed it and noted it down, noted down. Um, so she took them down today, I guess. So now all of a sudden, I guess they're trying to uh, decorate, I guess, for these monthly holiday occasions or whatever. Um, and the next one was the black female, the other black female, she is a part of a church in a, a town a couple of miles away from me. And this white woman, she was talking to another white woman. And both of them are in a relationship or married black males, married to black males. So she said, oh, well, you know, I, I don't, well, number one, she made the statement saying, I don't go to Southern Baptist churches. And she didn't give the reason why talking to the other white woman. Uh, and then she goes on to make a comment about the black female, uh, her husband being a pastor. And she was like, hey, uh, what's that? I don't really know if I can go to such and such, the black female church, too, because her husband just does that funny dance, I guess, you know, was making, you know, a mockery of the the worship style in that particular black church. Um, and she was making certain comments like this all day uh, because the other one, because the, now the warden, okay, because there was a lot going on, um, the warden 
was at the, her last meeting after 36 years, which is my entire life. So they gave her a brown plaque, you know, with the special designs on it or whatever. And that was the issue that happened um, where I had to end up going to speak to the uh, the clerk. And I had shared a couple of notes. Um, and then all of the white people started becoming uh, red-faced and being all quiet and stuff. You know, but one white woman asked, and I, I guess it's VGQ, but she asked, was I having a good day? And I said, absolutely not. Um, this person is with a black male sexually, you know, sexually with a black male. And then she was like, uh, what's wrong? And then I just said racism and nobody said nothing. So <laughs> I just kept doing my work. So I said, I was trying to find, you know, the, um, the white guy, but I ain't really say racism in there. I just said it to her. And then she asked me again, like at the end of the day, Oh, well, <laughs> how's your day? Was your day better today? I said, no, still wasn't better, but I'm getting this work done. So let's help these customers. Let's get, you know, let's get things done. Um, but yeah, I basically shared with him. I was like, Hey, <laughs> It says it's as many of your staff in here doing things to mistreat me and it's making it a very unsafe workplace. They are engaged in unsafe uh, workplace practices, et cetera. Uh, and it wasn't too long of a conversation. And he said, um, thanks for coming back here and sharing it with me. And I'll uh, get to speaking with them because the warden has two more weeks left and a white man who is from the other courthouse has been there for 30 years. She had 36. He's at 30. Um, so I guess he's going to have to, uh, well, I'm interested in how he's going to engage with the, um, the clan she left behind. Cause she has a lot of white women in the clan and, they don't really know too much about him. So I, I don't know how they are going to interact, you know, with their texting. And she's been texting with the, the sergeant where he was like, I'm going to leave my wife for you telling me, oh, hey, don't you tell anybody about this. But, you know, I have that written in the, the notes as well. Um, there was an uh, interaction I had. Uh, well, I have two, no, three reports I want to share about the black customers. Um, the first one was a very constructive interaction with a black family. Uh, they were coming to get a passport. I took all of the children pictures, the black baby, black children. Awesome, wonderful experience. Um, and the black dad, the black mom, tempted parents. You know, awesome. I was, made sure the, the decorum was on point, kind. It was just a, a awesome interaction because usually, you know, I don't really see too many uh, victims of racism coming in to uh, get the passport. 
So, you know, I was, I wanted to share that note as well. Uh, but there was two other interactions that wasn't as, I want to say constructive, but it could, it, you know, it's a reaction to racism. Uh, the, this one was a one with the, with a black male. He was in, I think, a, a hospital. So he wanted to know if it was anything under his name. Uh, so I searched it. I didn't really find anything, but another GA, which is guardianship. Um, you know, you got to get a legal guardian or something because he's, I guess from what the paperwork is saying, he isn't able to care for himself. So, and just the, what he had said to me, like, uh, he was saying like, you know, when can I become a free man and this and that? And I said, Hey, uh, well, sir, I'm just trying to just uh, do a double check. I don't see anything so far, but um, you just take care of yourself. I'll give you a call back uh, whenever I get finished looking it up. And then he was just starting to just say, like, hey, you know, I need somebody to talk to. I need somebody to talk to. Um, and then I think he had a, a, another one that's connected with MH Mental Health. You know, because he said something about, you know, lynching and like, you can hang me and you can hang me. And then he was mentioning how uh, Negroes were hanged by white people. And he was saying all type of stuff. You know, he was just, um, just speaking about different things. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, don't don't say that about yourself trying to uplift, so to speak. Um, but you know, the conversation ended up, I guess, positive. He was just saying, thank you. And, you know, uh, you're a very professional and thanks for the conversation. So, you know, uh, hopefully I had a constructive impact on his outlook on, um, his existence. Uh, my, I have two more. This one was a, a a black female. Okay. And this was about like probate and, and will and property and assets. So it's, you know, it's amazing how many times it's, it can get into being issues about property. Uh, you know, I printed out many documents concerning that and people taking advantage, you know, and different families of victims. And, um, you know, I thought I, was finished with her she you know i wanted to say this because she just said said you know what after i'm done with this i might have to go and <laughs> go to a go to a bar have a drink and i don't even drink and the white man was was saying yes it's on a monday it was some random white man who uh was walking past her yeah it's on a monday i know how it can be whatever that meant but yeah that was in response to to property so that that's been a big thing too, like land. Um, and uh, let's see, my my uh, last one is man, um, how the how the females sometimes can say things, and I definitely watch how I respond. Uh, one, it was a white woman who was mentioning about about mask wearing. I said, oh, you still wearing that mask? I said, oh, yes. 
I said, I'm keeping my mask on. But see, she works up in the courts. Um, said, oh, yeah, well, I've been boosted and everything. And uh, they just need to do away with these masks and get comfortable back to how everything was and all of that. So we're headed to the security. And she's like, yeah, you know, you should take that mask off. You're a handsome boy, right? So I was like, no, nah, I ain't doing that. So she said, boy, now. Now, you could tell white people ain't ignorant. So we go into the security, and I, I'm trying to remember how I responded. I said, I'm ready to get back to work. So this was coming from my lunch break. And the security, the uh, security bailiff, he repeated what I said. So, yeah, he's ready to get back to work. And then she repeated it. So, yeah, see, yeah, he should, he should just take that mask off. He's a handsome man see when she repeated it she said man but the first time she said boy um yeah so it's it's uh some other things that happened but i wanted to share those and especially with the racist warden because she definitely has influence on like many white female supervisors and uh coordinators and and so you know white men as well but it's, it's mainly the the white female clan um and and that's all i have to share thank you much obliged our caller in florida at the courthouse uh i'm so glad that i'm not into all of the silliness with the holidays and all the rest of it um uh, my my vote uh if you are a victim of racism do not participate in any of the holiday madness like you're not going out buying bunnies or shamrocks last month or like you already said mother's day next month memorial day like none of the holidays just get that in so they're not tasking you bringing in food and all the rest of it some ta- every bunny is welcome like, come on come on Let's just get some work done. Then you got to take all that stuff down. And nobody wants to take it home. And let's just get to work. Keep the office hygienic, clean, safe. Uh, let's see. The the folks that married the black people, but then they're sitting around talking about how they don't want to go to black churches and making fun of how the black people dance and their style of worship and all like. I guess they didn't get married at a church or at least not a black church. And I remember, like, I think he said the one they got married at the courthouse. Um, the folks were there and trying to get people to go participate. I didn't want to go participate uh, myself. Uh, but dang, that is, I mean, hmm. ridiculing black people is like full time occupation enjoyment for individuals classified as white. Even the ones who, hey. They're doing exactly what they said. That's how we're going to solve this problem. Have white women start having little black babies. And nope, still practicing racism. Mocking how they pray to white Jesus. <laughs> uh, let's see. He said the warden, and she's been there 36 years. She's about to leave. And they're, I guess, going to get finagle this with some white man who's been the warden for 30 years. Like, dang, that's the silver tsunami right there that they have been talking about like he I mean if he's been there for 30 years 
this fella can't be 20. He can't be 40. Why are we going to bring in another person who is also, but let me look at my watch, five minutes away from retirement? We can't, there's yeah. nobody here who's under 55 who can get this job. Nobody's qualified. Who, as I said, is not going to be looking to retire before we get to summertime? How long do they think this fellow is going to work? Is he going to have this position for 40 years? Man, let us get some black people. Maybe beyond just the segregated section. Maybe. Uh, let's see. The black family comes in for the passport. Love it. I think that is an aspect of white supremacy racism. We have a lot of black people, uh, non-white people in uh, this part. I'm not talking about globally, just in the U.S. who do not have a passport. I think the U.S. in total, white and non-white people, is one of the uh, so-called countries on the planet where you have a lower uh, passport rate than other areas. Although I think that we have been gaining uh, or at least until COVID messed everything up. But I think we have been gaining uh, in terms of the rest of the world and having more and more folks uh, with their passports to do international uh, traveling. But I still think it's pretty low amongst black people, racist, most to blame uh, and not giving them out in the first place and then making it difficult for black people to travel world nigger law. But uh, that is Brian. If the whole family to get out and go someplace like that is awesome. Send me a postcard. Um, the that man, the second one where I guess the black fella came and was trying to see what was on his record and all the rest and saying that he wanted to be a free man. I would love that experience myself, brother, right there with you. Uh, maybe one day we can be free, universal men, free, a universal woman. That is the goal. But all of that very painful, but reminded me greatly of uh, Dr. Frances Cress Welsing, uh, her book, The ISIS Papers. The subtitle is The Keys to the Colors. And she explained on this broadcast and other platforms how how did she get that subtitle? Talking to a black male uh, seemed like he also may have had some mental health problems. Don't we all? As a result of white supremacy, racism, and he said, we just need to find the keys to the color sounded painfully similar uh, to what he was uh, sharing with Dr. Welsing many, 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 many years ago. Um, that was another one of those. So is this blackmail privilege? 2022, got a blackmail coming in, mental health issues, saying he wants to be a free man, saying you can hang me. Just want somebody to talk to. That's blackmail privilege in 2022. Just want somebody to talk to. Oh no, you got raping tendencies, it looks like. About ready to press the panic button on you too. Black male experience, 2022. Uh, let's see. He said, now we had the caller. She wrote in about this, Vegan RD. I think that might have been one of the first emails that I read today. She said, get a will, especially if you are an attempted black parent. Life insurance, get a will. What did I say? Race soldiers, they're coming. I said 35 cents and 10 peanuts. They will come in and cause the entire black family, so-called, brawl and slit each other's throats. And then after the carnage, they will come in and 
Let me get those peanuts. They're not going to need that 35 cents. Right a will. They love it to come in and cause conflict. And then he just said, whammo, property. Oh, my Lord, the property is to be. Yes. Yes. Race soldiers are extraordinary. Right a will. Minimize the convent. Even you can do it best. A plus. Write the will. And then explain it to everybody. So there's no grand. I mean, it can be one where this isn't a debate as it's my property. So this isn't a discussion. This is just so that there's no conflict, no surprise even when I'm gone. Everybody knows what to expect. No need to fight, argue, gripe, fuss. If you want to be mad, you can be mad with me right now. And then I can adjust my will further. If I see anybody who has an attitude about this, well, you will get less. Hmm. Write a will. I think he even snuck in unless my ears are full of wax. People take advantage of these victims having these property disputes. If I heard correctly. Hmm. I wonder who's taking advantage of these black people having property issues. Hmm. Hmm. I bet it's not that black fella who came in saying he wanted to be a free man. And then we got handsome boys. I just said, oh, wait a minute. I got to make sure I got that. Sobriety would be best. Uh, when I hear Mondays, that is racist code, especially because they got whole shirts to say, <laughs> I hate Mondays. I don't know if you all seen those, but I have. That one is a code for negras. So any, especially because I think that was when he said that the white man just spoke up. She said, man, in here fighting about this property and all that about to slit somebody's throat. Oh, I need a drink when they feel the need. They got to interject. He's not even in this discussion. I got to just butt in. Oh, yeah, it is Monday. Lord, I just hate a Monday. You got to get a drink to deal with a Monday. Like, yeah. Uh huh. Now, maybe that's not what he meant. I'm not saying that every individual classified as white. That they know that bit of racist code Monday for niggers. But that's a really popular one. And that's one Gus T didn't know until we've been doing the cows, I think. I think it's been about three years. We've been on for a second before I realized, like, dang, are they talking about me when they say they hate Monday? <laughs> white people that I'll say that white people are not ignorant about racism. And sobriety would be best to put those together. But I'll say that. Then uh, handsome boys. That's another one is so consistent. I told you we had a black female. She said she got on her job. And the white fellow came and saw her in the home and said, oh, you are a new custodial girl. And no, I'm, I'm the new office girl. What? What? I'm going to talk to someone about this. We have this nigger down here in the coat room. Put this nigger in the thing. Have nigger girls up here in the office. But she's a nigger gal. Now, she would still have been a nigger gal, but it's okay for us to have nigger gals custodian. You're going to get a mop and a broom and do some sweeping, cleaning. That's what you nigger gals do. You're a handsome boy. Take that mask off. Even that, like, really? They don't even... 
This is Florida, man. It's Ron DeSantis. What are you even talking about? You don't have a mask mandate. You never had a mask mandate. You don't even have a mask mandate on the job. What are you talking about? Worry about your face. You don't want to wear a mask? Cool for you. Nah, nah, nah. DNC, that right there. These are my boys and gals. I tell you, take that mask off right now. I'm used to telling you all what to do. Boy. And she got too comfortable. Might have just been because he said that she kept talking, I guess, with all this. And then the other fella came around like, "Ooh, maybe I shouldn't be this comfortable in the group. Got all these woke folks and everything around here. He's a handsome man. Yes. But she's still he's my boys. And take that mask off running around here. I don't want to see that. This fools. We need to go back to the way things work. And the report that I played last week on the compensatory call it. They already said white people. They think of this as niggas disease anyway. They said that was influencing why you have people saying exactly what she said. Take that. I'm not with all this. That's nigger disease. I'm not wearing a mask for you niggers. You want to run around and get COVID and AIDS and syphilis and all the rest. That's on you. I'm not wearing a mask. Take that mask off, boy. I could be wrong, but they did just make a big to do about that last week saying that. I mean, verbatim. Exactly. Mondays is pretty widespread, too. If anybody's confused, if you've missed that one before, do a search. Is that what they're talking about? Us and Monday? Is that what you thought when he said it? The fella butted into her conversation, said she was so tough on her because they didn't have wills and all that chaos. Yeah, these Mondays are rough. I need a drink, too, to get through a Monday. Did you think he was trying to sneak one in? Yes, sir, because, like, the way it was said, too, and he was being nosy. Um, like you mentioned, he didn't have anything to do with the conversation. He was just a, you know, person from the public coming in, a customer. And she was walking out. He was walking in and just came out just like that. I'm like, man, the way he's saying Monday, like, could you mean, you know, something, some kind of (laughs) hidden racism, meaning white supremacy being practiced in that? I like I do think that like because they are saying Monday, um, some of the staff members, the customers and stuff, a lot of white people. So, yeah, I, I yeah I do think that is um, uh, I think racism being practiced when that's being said. Yes, sir. That's in. Uh Joe Fegan's book, Two-Faced Racism. I don't know if that one's in my top ten, but it should be, or it's really close. Two-Faced Racism. He was a guest on the program in 2010, but uh, that's in his book where he talked about that. Where that'll be one that they. And I mean, that's 2000. I don't even think that book was published in 2010. I think that book is older than 2010. But I mean, that is really, really popular and has been for years. Uh, and white people, it might even be beyond the U.S., but they know. Mondays, Negras, everybody hate, and uh, in particularly that sort of setting, they know the people who are the experts on racism are white, even the 15 year olds. They love it when they can be racist and the black people don't know that they're being racist. Those are the ones that they love. And I think most white peoples know, even at this late date, you got a lot of non white people, they don't know. White people have a lot of these codes and things where they can be racist and we don't know. Mondays, Moon Crickets, they got lots of Canadians. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. But, oh, 
where they, and we've had other listeners where it's the same type of thing, the butt in. I wasn't in this conversation. I didn't have anything to do with this. You weren't even talking to me or where it's said in kind of a peculiar way. Just, yeah, don't. Mind. And sometimes they like to pull you into it. Don't you hate Mondays, too? <laughs> Aren't Mondays the worst? <laughs> yeah, I hate Mondays <laughs> that way. Like, oh, yeah, I got it. That's what you th- I know exactly what you're talking about. Again, the only people who are ignorant about racism, the non-white people, unfortunately. Monday, look it up if you're convinced. And even movies like The Office made it really pipe. That's one you have. I'm not. You don't need to watch it reading, but I'm just saying. Movies like The Office made it popular too because they got a big line uh, in The Office, which is a film where they complain about work and cult classic amongst the white people. But that line is, "Oh, Mondays suck. Mondays are the worst." And they, <laughs> yes, they certainly are. <laughs> uh, I had mentioned her. Uh, Bay Area mom was hanging out with us as well. Did you have commentary to get in as we get ready to wrap up our broadcast uh, for today? Should be. I know us. it's. It's so late now. You want to wait till next week? So I don't go over the um, little minutes. Uh, let's see. I don't know how much material you have. Uh, do you want to take? Uh, right, right. I'm always full of stuff. Go ahead. Um. Or I guess, did you see the report that I sent you about the Lunchables? Yes, you're so funny. Okay. <laughs> that, uh, I, was, I meant to share that with listeners too, but I forgot. Uh, we, I guess I, that has nothing. What it do is because it came up workplace. I have to share that with listeners later. But Lunchables are like the worst thing you can eat ever. I'd said that before, but they have like whole reports of white people that have written book chapters and all kinds of things. So they've broken down like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. And you should not be feeding your children they even had in the report they were talking about how teachers had observed dang it seems like these lunchables might be impairing brain functioning in students no surprise there at all because there's nothing nourishing in there fat salt yeah i could see why that would be the case anyway uh and then a piece of candy and a juicy one of those little capri suns in there just to make it complete they, they talked about that in the report. They talked about that, how they they thought they said white people put a lot of time and energy into designing those Lunchables and what's going to be the packaging of it. All of it was thought about and thought about and thought about. Yes, we'll put in a little dessert for them so they get a little bit of sugar and then get that Capri Sun in there. Matter of fact, they said in the report that Kraft... Oscar Mayer, they are aware that their product is so poisonous and unhealthy. They have their own rules about how they promote products to children. You're not supposed to be advertising a whole lot of junk to young people. Brain computers aren't even developed yet. Totally incorrect behavior. They have, I didn't even know this. Apparently they have more than 50 different types of Lunchables. They only advertise five out of those 50 because the product is so unhealthy it doesn't even meet their own requirements for what they can safely advertise to children five out of 50 with teachers saying that they think dang does this impair brain functioning 
dang, because it looks like these students are not thinking well once they dig in and get that ham and turkey and cheese and yum yum and <laughs> dang, what is going on with the Lunchables? Don't forget the chicken nugget one. Gosh. The pizza one. The, anywho, so we wasted three minutes talking about lunch. Not well, I can't even say wasted because, man, I know I ate Lunchables. That was why I was into it like, man, because I ate my share. My tubbiness, I know I got 50 or 100 Lunchables myself. Uh, man, if you are a parent, tempted parent, it's a whole lot of problems. That would be one. Don't cut corners with Lunchables. and. Eh horrible idea one of the worst things you can feed your child no lunchables and if they're going to school make sure no lunchables send them with whatever food you want or what have you but oh it's not even cheese they said that in the report it's not even cheese it's not even cheese uh now that we wasted then it's not wasted sorry it's not wasted food is important not wasted uh we invested three minutes talking about Lunchables. Uh, so, I don't know. You want to take two minutes to share and then we can get the rest of it. I guess we can catch it up tomorrow or next week. Okay, super. So, um, the white uh, the white lady that got slapped by the little girl, um, the white teacher that I've been complaining about, it's gotten to where um, someone came to at the door to listen to how she talks to the children and yells at the children. So, um, she told a little boy that, a uh, little Spanish-speaking little boy, that what she puts in his report follows him all the way through school. And you, then, so one day she told him, because he's terrorizing him, she let him know, oh, yeah, and you're wondering why you, your points are missing, because when she was away, when the seat tapped, uh, the breathing machine fell on her head, she was sitting at home on the computer removing his points that he earned. And um, that, that's all. That's all. I'll uh, catch up later. And um, um, she tried to get rid of me as well. She was trying to get rid of me, but the supervisor said, no, no, no. I've got five kids in that class. I need her right there. But um, that's it. Thank you for taking my call. And thanks for um, sharing the extra time. Whose interest is that in? She says we got all these students here, many of them non-white. We got all these students here, so are we getting rid of her because she's not been helpful with them? That they don't like her? They're upset with her? She's been sabotaging their learning? Or is this me? So that's what I mean. Like, it's I'm. you talk about in your feelings. Racist woman, racist man. I'm so in my feelings. I don't even care about these. And these are not the young Rhodes Scholars who all skipped a grade and what have you. They need the most help. So as opposed to some continuity, knowing what to expect, keeping qualified, dedicated staff with the students. Nah, get this nigga woman out of here. Excuse me, nigga gal. Get this nigga gal out of here. Got to have somebody. We got the students in here. What are you talking about? We need her. <sighs> Go and give them an extra round of Lunchables today. Again, we had a whole lot of discussion about the different angles, lots of different ways, right? Parents talking, getting child care and what have you, send your child to school and this is what happened. They're looking to fire people that are coming in trying to help your child, stuff Lunchables down their throat. 
man, if you are an attempted parent, even when you begin thinking, maybe I want to be an attempted parent. There is a lot to consider working on that will. We didn't get that one. That's one for tomorrow. Folks, what should be in your will as much as you possibly can to make sure there's no confusion and I guess share it. Make sure you share your will with folks in advance. That'll let you know if you need to add something. If you hear folks griping and complaining, what about this? Oh, <laughs> few adjustments, few adjustments. Make sure everything is clarified. And then if anybody's upset, they know who, you know, they can get all their cursing and griping out now. So once you kick the bucket, no surprises. I was already upset about that. Not in my feelings anymore. They moved on. I know what I'm getting. Get out of the way. Go into the closet. Sorry, got my name on it. Minimizing conflict, that's supposed to be a big one that we are serious, dedicating time and energy to reduce conflict with other non-white people. Write that will. And life insurance, if you are an attempted parent. We will be here tomorrow. Compensatory call in. What a week. Good Friday indeed. 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific and Global Sunday Talk uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific. Uh, much obliged for all the folks who joined in. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. Uh, again, sobriety would be best. Uh, if you are out and about, this is not a time to be confronting strangers. You should be thinking this fella, this gal, she could be armed. Could have an entire armed entourage. If you did not leave your residence prepared to die and or kill, exit. You can call enforcement officials as you're vacating the premises. Uh, if you're in a vehicle, you're buckled, you're sober, you are not on the cell phone. We need all of our attention so we can be mindful of what is happening around us. And we're trying to do the small things to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. All of that said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim Your brother problem. you're a victim i'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm -hmm. even my conditioning has been conditioned <laughs>